Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Freefall RC Podcast. I'm Andy, and here with me is Kevin. Hey, guys. And George. Hey, guys. That's it. Just hey, us. Hey, George. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> Seems weird with Andy doing it. Yeah, no Steve here this week. He is on the road, moving his stuff to Virginia. Yep. So it's a free-for-all. Free-for-all on Freefall. While the cat is away, the mice will play. Absolutely. We could even change the name of it tonight. Yeah. <laughs> well, Let's call it the $7 fall. Okay. <laughs> George, that joke is going to cost you $7. <laughs> oh, geez. Already? Yep. yep. Off the rails already? Already. Damn it. Well, this is episode 241. What are they talking about? Awesome. What are we talking about? I don't know. Mm. I'm hoping to tune in and find out. Mm. We shall find out. So let's find out about some weeks, shall we? Oh, yeah. Sure. Who wants wants to go first? I can go first. Yeah. I was wanting to hear some more about the uh, R2 project. Why don't you go first, Kevin? It's coming, George. You're going to have to wait. Oh, man. Don't rush. Don't (laughs) rush me, dude. (laughs) Calm down. Uh, did some simming Friday night, which was very cool. Again, uh, I tried it sober because I was on call and, uh, it was very interesting. You actually remember it this time. I remember it. Yep. I was glad that the Telerotor guys let us come onto their uh, discord channel and join them for some simming because <laughs> there was, there was more Telerotor guys there than uh free fall guys. Yeah. But it was pretty funny. Uh, yeah. So rich shaggy and Monty were on from Telerotor podcast mm-hmm. and uh planker didn't make it satinder was there um steve shaw showed up a little later ian ian joel yep jamie burkholder and mr fun himself mr heli fun yeah heli fun there's a couple other guys uh newer guys that i forgot i think john partridge was there again yep yep i, I need to get back on there yeah, it was it was good though, and you know I'm I'm in, I'm seriously enjoying the sim. I really am, man, and I feel it benefiting. Even though I didn't go flying this week, this weekend, uh, I feel it doing some definite positivity to my flying. Nice. It's uh, it's helping me with my like my pirouetting funnels. It's helping me with my inverted autos like crazy, man. Like I'm really getting those down in the sim. I can't wait to try them in real life one of these days. Maybe towards the end of the season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when it starts getting cold out and I don't feel like so going So when you crash time. it, you're like, hey, I've got all winter yeah. to fix it. When I, when I crash it, I can go, no, I can't go this weekend. I got to waiting on parts. <laughs> when it's 26 degrees out. Uh, Steve's moving and he's not going to be part of the, the winter festivities this year. Yeah. But yeah, Saturday was pretty crappy. Uh, so I didn't fly Saturday and I didn't fly Sunday. Sunday was nice, but I don't know. I was just not feeling it. Uh, I had nothing charged. And plus being on call, like I'm like, 
I don't know. Well, I want to go. If I got to get a call, it's a big hassle. So yeah. I just hung around the house and, and worked on R2 project and uh, some stuff I had going on in the house. But the R2 thing came out really cool because uh, I kind of custom designed uh, the back part of his feet. There's a there's a heel part that uh, you're supposed to actually make your own Omni wheels out of nylon printed wheels and rollers and all this stuff. And I was like, I tried nylon a couple of times. I could not get it to print right. Uh-huh. So um, Mike Sobe, don't listen to this next five minutes. So uh, what I did was I ordered three-inch uh, Omniwheels from this company. I first tried really cheap stuff, and and it really didn't work out like I wanted it to. So I was like, let me go with a higher grade of like like a more commercial Omniwheel. They, I found a company that makes three-and-a-half and, and four-inch, and there was a guy on on one of the websites I belong to that had already mocked up the four-inch ones for the front wheel because that was that, that I've seen guys use casters. I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but the Omni wheels definitely work out better because if, if he's going over like, um, like an entranceway into a building or something, and there's a little like space in between the flooring or the, you know, something like that, he'll get caught with the, with the casters, right. the Omni wheels seem to work out better. So I ordered those. And then I ordered the three inch or three and a half inch ones for the heels. And I kind of made this custom uh, heel piece. The guy that designed it, I keep harping on how great of a guy this guy is. And he made these removable heel pieces. And what I did was kind of like made it so it would fit a bearing. And then the whole wheel just rides on an axle that's in the bearing that's in these heel pieces, man. And it came out awesome. Like the bearings. I did a couple of test runs, like just to get the, the bearing size right for the print. And once I did that, man, they came out really good, like pressed them in not too hard. They weren't moving around, you know, so it wasn't loose, but it wasn't overly snug. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and then the space between them came out great the first time and popped those. And that's what I was waiting for Sunday. I was waiting for a bunch of those to finish printing because I needed, you know, a pair for each leg. And then got a chance to hook it up, and it's running. It's amazing. It's running on. I first tried it on 4S, and he was a little sluggish, and it wasn't doing the like the turns like in the movies, you know, like whipping around. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I got this really good ESC. More power. More power, exactly. <laughs> I got this really cool ESC, and I know we know ESCs as being, you know, the 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 brushless motors and only going in one direction and this esc is it's called the saber tooth and it's it's pretty amazing little package it's got it's basically a giant heat sink around the the electronics and the unit itself will take a serial input it'll take an rc input and it'll take a few other different types of input to control it and wow. it and it outputs to two motors so it's almost designed for this uh, in a way, you know? Yeah, that's cool. Kind of like a robotics thing or something, what it's designed for? Or? Uh, you know what? I don't know what its actual design is for. That's cool. But I know that the company, Sabretooth, makes a bunch of different varieties. Like, they make a you know a straight-up like 12 volts or whatever, uh, different amperage. This one can take... 6 to 30 volts and um, a 32 amp continuous, which I'm never going to hit, and uh, 64 amp peak. Hmm. Uh, 
and it's um like I said, it's a really cool setup. It's run to to it's made to run two motors, and what I have it hooked up to is uh, an Arduino that's putting out a serial stink signal, and it's getting it from a Bluetooth controller, which is on top of the Arduino. I mentioned that before, mm-hmm. and the the my control that I have in my hand is is a PS3 uh, little joystick thing. It's like a like a little wand, like almost like a Wii controller. Right. But right. it's got an it's got an analog stick on the end, so I can control the speed pretty pretty good. And I was and the the ESC is a, it's a little pricey for I mean this project I mean not nothing like the Scorpion or anything like that, but it is like like 120 bucks, but well worth it when when I consider the features. And immediately after the 4s, I was like, okay, this is definitely not not enough power. I didn't even have to do any adjustments or anything; just throw a 6s on there and try it out. I have a step-down converter to converting to five volts for the Arduino, and that's all I had running around. And I had <laughs> I had my my Oxy Five battery just like perched in there, still on the Oxy Five battery tray, just sitting in there <laughs> as I was yeah. driving them around. You know, nice. Well, how are those tracks, Kevin? I mean, they in that video you posted, it seems like they're they're very robust. I mean, you were spinning that thing around and whipping it around. It seemed like they were pretty sturdy. Yeah. They're they're very sturdy. The front ones, four of them in the front, probably can handle a hundred pounds a piece, you know. And it, it was a pretty cool test to to get them all together and to see. I want to see know, some more pictures of that. Okay, some, you know, more close ups of that because that's what really that that seems like to me that would be the hardest part of it. Yeah, it's it's basically you know you get these things you want to use and you build like a platform around it, you build a frame around it or whatnot. And a lot of guys in the community, I'm on a Facebook community where they just like offered up, they just post the stuff. Hey, this is what I've figured out, order right. these parts and, oh, and yeah. print, print this out and it's working great, you know? But yeah, it was cool to see him like running around a little bit and uh, can't wait to get working further on him. What I did after that was I took them all apart and I started, I, I primed the, the body again started sanding some more. I filled a little more. It's just a process, you know, until I get it oh, to yeah. a point where I want to paint it. But um, I'm actually finding that to be a lot of fun. Yeah. As much as a pain in the ass, uh, I always thought it would be like the little areas, like just seeing the seeing the whole like prime it or you know use the bondo on the obviously the the big stuff and then you know sand it and then prime it and then you know repeat. You can see the the progress that you're making. It's, it's pretty cool. You know, I, I, what I always hated about a project, whether I was building a tank or a hot rod or a Harley, whatever it was, is, you know, you dry fit everything so many times you get sick of that. Yeah. You know, by the time you get something built, you have to design so many things. That's kind of like the submarine, you know, building it, it same way. You just, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I taking know it exactly apart, putting it back together. You, you almost wear it apart wear it out, taking it apart and putting it back together. But like you say, once you start getting a finish on some of the parts and they start really coming together. Yeah. I know you got to be tickled when you spin that thing around. I bet you, your face was about to crack. You were smiling. So <laughs> I was like, I have a really tight area that I was driving around in and I'm like, yeah, you know, this is, this is a little crazy. I got to calm down. I'd like, I can't <laughs> wait to get up to a spot where I can really, you know, open them up, man. You know? <laughs> He I was, can't wait to get a video of you running it somewhere and nobody knows that you're running it. You're just kind of walking around with your hand in your pocket. <laughs> it follows you around. You'll have to take it to a mall or something and do that. 
Well, that's the cool thing about having those two little tiny controllers. And I mean, they're only like five inches long. You can barely see them. I'll have one for the driving and I'll have one for the dome. And then all the other buttons on, on the controllers will do different things. Yeah. And there's a guy that I, I was doing some research uh, that he posted a PDF on his wiring scheme. And he has a switch to go back and forth between the actual controllers in each hand doing, doing you know, the all the sequences and all the, the lights and the effects and all that kind of stuff. And versus using your your um, yeah. your app on your phone, which is which is pretty cool. So I'll probably incorporate that somehow so I can go back and forth because the phone app is more detailed. You can you can definitely do more things with the phone if app. Have, if you had an app where you can control that and have the camera too, that would be awesome because you could just sit there like every other idiot, you know, in, in a store anymore sitting there looking at your phone and nobody yeah. would even know what you're doing. You would see where you were going with it. And uh, yeah. I'll have to make one. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to do one. Yeah. It's, and it's pretty, it's pretty cool. You know, like I'm doing a version two. They have a version three where the entire body is like printed out. in I think two sections, like a, a bottom and a top, but you have to have a really large, like I was saying, 500 by 500 bed to actually accomplish that. And then the dome prints out in one section, which, you know, it's cool. I mean, I, I, that's, I kind of want, that's kind of why I got the CR 10 was to, attempt something like this and it it's um it's been a cool project and the you know mike d was like uh the planker he was asking me about structurally whether the legs could hold up you know the weight of everything and i told him once i told him you know the legs actually bolt onto the body like through all these things you've i've printed out he was like oh it actually bolts i was like yeah there's four bolts that bolt the legs on they actually seemed really sturdy in the video if you see any little wobble, it's because the ankles are just taped together. There's two pieces that are taped together, and they're just sitting. The legs are sitting in the ankles, so there's no, you know, it's not glued or anything yet. Oh, really? I'm working on printing, because uh, version 3 has a complete ankle in one piece. I'm working on printing out two of those right now. Now, now does it? can it stand up vertically, or is it always canted back? <clears throat> it's always on the three legs. Right. There are uh, plans to actually do that and to do, you know, the drop down leg in the middle. But I figured for my first one, uh, <laughs> I'll just yeah, I'll try not to get too crazy. Yeah. You're, you're doing enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been fascinated ever since you, you know, shared with me that you were doing one. I've always wanted a full scale R2D2. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like growing up in the 70s and, you know, it's like, what kids always dreamed of after, after the first movie came out. Yeah. Me for sure. You know, so that's, it's been a fun project and, uh, more printing to, to, you know, more, more printing on the little stuff and more sanding. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's been cool. I've been enjoying actual, you know, priming and I, I, I'm only going to have the weather probably for another couple months to where I can paint. So I got to get my act together on that mm-hmm. and paint them up. I'd really like to have the dome and the, the panels painted up before it gets really cold so I can, you know, do the, the doors and all that kind of stuff on the, on the dome. You know, you can get one of these little camcorders that has the projector built in. We've got one at work that we let people borrow when they want to borrow a camera. Yeah. It's awesome. It's got a great projector that, I mean, you can project it on a huge wall, but that it's small enough too. You could tear the camera apart and just use the projector and it would, 
it would be even better than the one they had. You know, you could project it anywhere. Yeah, you know, there there are a few guys that have done that. I've seen a couple of different videos on YouTube where, you know, they, they display uh, mm-hmm. some stuff on the wall and whatnot. Guys have done some really crazy stuff. One guy has uh, a panel lift up on his head, like in one of the ones in the back that's kind of large, like maybe four by four. Yeah. And he has a little TV in there and it's playing the Death Star plans, like the, the <laughs> little rotating from the 77 movie. I don't. He's a he's a Spanish guy, I think, because uh, I, I went to his website and everything was in Spanish. I tried to Google Translate and it worked, but he didn't go into too much detail on how he actually did that. And I thought that was that was pretty fascinating, you know, having that. So guys are like, guys do all sorts of crazy stuff, man. I've seen guys do not with the 3D printed, but I've seen guys do like with the with the aluminum versions open every single door on his body and have it servoed. And there's, it's just crazy, man. Some of the stuff I've seen. Wow. Seen somebody do one FPV? No, not yet. Not, I haven't come across that yet. I'm sure. It just seems like that would be just too much fun. Yeah. I'm sure guys do it. I've done it. Just to see run run over somebody's kid or little dog and get sued for a million dollars. No, just to see the look on a kid's face when you drive up to them, you know, how excited they would be. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy that actually came up with this, uh, you know, 3D file and and everything on Facebook, he's just doing more and more stuff like little droids from different movies and just all sorts of crazy stuff. He's constantly doing something and putting the plans out there for free. And it's a really cool community. Like they're getting into depth with, uh, different control different way of ways of controlling large amounts of servos and stuff like that mm. and sequencing and a lot of that stuff is actually you know very reasonable in their setup and their price and the program and all that be sure to so- share it in our seven dollar file link document <laughs> Jeez. what the hell's with and- the seven dollars i'm lost instead of free he's charging you seven dollars Seven dollar right. fall. Seven dollar tonight. Yeah, he's gonna charge seven dollars. Uh, okay, I was a little behind. I I wasn't following, but I get it now. So other than that, dude, what I've been doing uh, is uh, I had some plumbing issues at my house, which uh, turned out that thought it was the boiler leaking. Thank God it wasn't that, and uh, that that cleared up. Which you know. Is cool. There's an old guy told me there's only one thing you need to know about plumbing. <laughs> you know what that is? No, Good. what's that? Shit always runs downhill. Yep. Well, I redid my house when I moved in here years ago. I had ancient burner and oil burner and all, you know, hot water and stuff like that. I redid all the pipes. I know how to do plumbing. This one I was not dealing with and I was like, I'm calling a plumber. I'm I've had it with plumbing. After 30 years, I don't want to do any more plumbing. <laughs> I called the plumber, and he came out and did that compression fittings instead of soldering. Yeah. Have you seen that shit? Minutes. Yeah. I couldn't believe that, dude. He had, yeah, he was done. He was done in under an hour, which was good. Because did you look at it like, down. damn, I could have done that. No, I looked at it, and I was like, well, maybe I'm not done with plumbing because <laughs> I'll get one of those. It's so easy now. Yeah. And he was a really nice guy. I'm glad, I'm glad I did it because... 
I'm just like, you know what? It, it was a, like you said, shit runs downhill. It was a part where there was multiple connections on a T and I don't want to get into free fall plumbing, but, uh, so what I did was I had a pinhole and I was like, oh, I'm going to heat that up really hot and I'm going to just push some more solder in there. No, you're not. And when I heated that up really hot, I loosened all the other solder fittings up that were close to it. <laughs> so then I cut the pipe below it to drain the water out. I, I tried to get I tried to get the water out first, which I thought I did. And then I said, why is this not? I, I don't know. It, it came down to where I, I cut the pipe below and I was like, I'll just redo everything up top. Then I'll solder down below. Then I'll fill it with water. And I had more holes than when I started. And I started getting frustrated. And I was like, I, I work way too damn hard. I'm done with plumbing. I'm like, I'm like, I've had it. So when the guy came over, I was like, instead of that 90 and that stupid T there and it going down, I was like, can you just put a T here and have it go over and a 90 at the bottom? He's like, I got it. No problem. And he did exactly what I asked for. Done. He was done in uh, under an hour, like I said. If you've got pipes that you're having to solder on that's had water in them before, just take some white and, and ball it up and just cram it back in the pipe. It, it'll dissolve completely when water pressure hits it, but it'll keep that uh, water from pulling down to your, uh, your slip. Yeah. Yeah. A buddy of mine told me that, and I was like, too late. I already called the plumber. And I was like, I just don't want to deal with it anymore. <laughs> I can do electric. I can do a lot of things. I, I would tend to one rather work on electrical problems than plumbing. Yeah. Yeah. Go over and fix my daughter's dryer. No problem. That's a whole other story. I was halfway through electronic school and I fixed our dryer that I had in the house. And we didn't have I didn't have two pennies to rub together at that point. But I ripped it apart and found a bad, uh, something was bad in it. It was burnt out. It was pretty easy to figure out. And ordered it, replaced it. And that was it. So enough of plumbing and home maintenance. I also flew the new flight simulator from microsoft again and found george's house mind-blowing <laughs> and i sent you a picture george what did you think it was mind-blowing i mean when the the picture from above i thought was i'm like i don't remember a plane flying over i mean i thought it was <laughs> I, I forgot about talking about the flight simulator and i thought damn that's my that's my property it's some big yellow cub flying over it and then you got to looking at the other pictures and some of the windows weren't right on the house and then he lands on the runway and pulls yep. over to the side where there's a little knoll. That's where the heli guys like to fly from. And um, he was just sitting on that knoll, you know, the front of the cub pointed towards my house, just like the elevation was right and everything. It was, <laughs> it was eerie. Yeah. When I flew over my house, I was like, holy cow, this is, I can actually see it. My, actually, my house looked better on the flight simulator than in real life. But it was, yeah, it was pretty crazy. I wanted to, wanted to fly over Andy's, but I didn't get a chance to do that yet. Yeah, I, I was I was blown away. But yeah, I, I circled around and I was like, I'll bet you I can land in his backyard if I if I come down over by the the neighbor's house there. And I taxied over and I was like, <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> Were you yeah. able to take back off? Yeah, I took back off. And I flew kind of like uh, southwest a little bit Uh huh. towards another airport was like, uh, I forget the name of it now. I'd have to look it up. Alcoa? No, it was like some guy's backyard. It was oh. like Bernie's Landing or something. It was really weird. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is definitely like, you know, like a flight test, uh, like like uh, Mr. Fury's mm -hmm. backyard, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. Just an airstrip. 
Yeah. Well, I think I think I know what it is. That's this airstrip over it was it right close to a river? Yeah, yeah, it was like perpendicular to a river. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just a little uh private runway on a farm. Right. Yeah, and I landed there, I turned around and I uh, I took off again and I flew, I don't know, to one of the airports. Yeah, but, that would uh, probably uh Sneedville. Yeah, it was uh that's a cool program. The the load times are just excruciating oh. though. I tell you what you need to fly over, find that Sneedville airport again and look for the, um, where they were going to do the, um, Phipps bend P H I P P S bend nuclear power plant, the uh, cooling tower circle and some of the, uh, concrete structures are still there. They decided not to go ahead and build it. Okay. But it's real. it's a huge, absolutely huge. We used to go over an FPV fly FPV planes and stuff around it. Now, is that, is that, uh, from your house? What, what direction is that? That would be West. Okay. Cause what's, what's cool is I, you know, you can't put an address in the simulator. So mm-hmm. I went to Google earth and Google earth actually gives you the coordinates right. of the, of the address. So I just copied that, pasted it into the simulator. Mm-hmm. And then, um, it started me like it started actually started me over your house. So I was like, I'm looking at Google now and I'm going, okay, I'm looking for landmarks. I'm like, all right, I just flew past it. I got to swing around. <laughs> and, uh, that was pretty, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. So what do you guys been up to? I can go. I, I finished, finally finished printing that submarine today. I put, pulled the last piece off at lunchtime today. And then, uh, this afternoon I cleaned it up. It was a piece that didn't have any parts in it, so it was really easy to snap it all together, and it's all in one piece now, and everything functions and works on it. The lights are on it, so now I have to pull it back apart, like we were discussing earlier. And other than the uh, all the power system, the rudder controls, and all that, I prime that piece inside before I put it together, so I don't have to pull all that stuff back apart. Okay. But, um, but anyway, I need to use my good you know, primer on it and get it good and sealed, sand it, and then probably wait about a 24-hour period and then paint it with the final color, which is kind of going to be a slate gray. I don't want to do it completely black. You know, it's going to be hard enough trying to keep it out of the sun if it's just completely jet black, which none of them really look like that. It's kind of going to be a slate gray, and then I'll weather it and stuff like that, but I am thrilled to death with how well it works. I posted a little video going through how I've got it all set up, but I can't, I can't believe with all the different joints and the drive shafts and the way I have the motor set up in it, that it's as smooth as it is. Nice, man. It looks fantastic, man. It's unbelievable how good it looks. I'm really thrilled for, you know, that the file was, the files were 4995 on the Nautilus dry dock give a plug for Bob's website, but, um, best $45 I've spent on a file period. Now, what's the purpose of the, the waterproof box in the back, just to keep the motor and the electronics I've got, dry. I've got the motor, the ESC, which is water. Okay. Both are ESC work, it works in two directions. So I use the elevator stick for my throttle and I, um, kind of rigged up a uh, throttle cut. Okay. So you've got that. 
um, the dive plane. I may have said, said elevator in that video. I'm kind of being crazy here lately, but uh, just lately, though. And um, <laughs> got got the dive planes working on the sail, you know, just for looks. But um, that's the only part that's outside of that uh, rear section. The rear section is that orange box, and it's got, like I said, it's got the motor, and it's completely waterproof. I made a waterproof seal on the drive shaft going back. But um, And that part of the shaft is going through bearings, so it doesn't move or have any vibration whatsoever in it, so that seal should work. The receiver's in that little box, which is an old Tactic 8-channel I've got tons of Tactic uh, receivers. I used to use Tactic. I've got at least two of the eight-channel radios. I really like them. They've, they've always served me well, so I thought, I'm not using them. I'll just use them on this stuff. The other, uh, the, one of them set up on that PBR boat. The, um, the two servos that control the rudder and what's supposed to be the elevators, which I made ailerons so I can control the keel, as it's in a turn, you know, how much it leans, I guess. I don't know if that's what you call it or not. But um, it really worked out good. And that box will be, it'll probably be an inch, inch and a half in the water. So the top part of the box will be completely out of the water. So the 2.4 uh, receiver will work fine. This no thing way. is amazing, man. I'm watching the video as you're talking about it. Those other two servos, though, they, um, they're they waterproof servos, so they're outside the box. Okay. If I need to, I can pull the box and the drive shaft out, and the two vent holes on the top are lined up perfectly with the coupler right there, <clears throat> which is a flex coupler. So I can remove that whole power system, unplug the servos, and pull that whole power system out if I need to. But the, even the battery's in that box. Okay. That's a three cell 5,000. Wow. Roaring top battery. So it should last, you know, a whole event. Probably never have to charge it. Dude, it's like a movie prop. You might get Hollywood calling you. Oh, I can that. That would, you know, going across the surface, that would definitely probably pass. It's probably larger than what they actually used in, oh, in movies back in the day. Yeah. It's, that's, it's absolutely amazing. So how did you connect the pieces together? Did you epoxy those or they CA'd? I used, I used CA and I used that E6000 glue I'm so crazy about. Okay. You know, it never, it never gets brittle. I mean, it's not real flexible, but like you could take a Phillips screwdriver and poke in it and it would leave a little indention for a second and then it comes back out. Okay. Okay. So it's not brittle. So after I CA'd it got it exactly like I wanted it because, you know, lining everything up. Then I went over it with a, a really wide coat of that uh, E6000. I mean, I I dabbed it in there. That's one of my hillbilly words. And, um, <laughs> and then the back, about two feet of it, <clears throat> it's got these bayonet locking lugs in it. It's really a, a good design. So the middle section is the largest. It's three of the 425 millimeter sections so it's it's pretty big chunk wow then then you've got the nose and the tail and the tail you know it's just got one little ribbon cable there i use that that's out of a free wing um edf Uh, that way instead of having 
four or five little servo cables to unplug. I just unplug that one ribbon cable. It's and cool, man. It's wing connectors is what it is. Okay. Three right. wing, uh, EDF. And I think I use them on some of the airplanes too <clears throat> on flight line. But um, it really worked out good for a low budget project. It cost me, let's see, it was eight rolls at 20 bucks a roll. So what, 160 on the, the filament. And fifty for the files. That's two ten, and then I probably spent another hundred and fifty dollars on just little odds and ends. I had the airplane motor, and I bought that's, the ESP. That's so cheap, dude. When you think about how big this is, and I know, how, and I see guys selling submarines on there on some of these forums for like twenty five hundred to yeah. several thousand dollars, and I'm like, but of course, mine doesn't dive. You know, it's just surface craft but still you know to build how, something that's nine and a half feet long yeah yeah how deep is it going to set in the water have you have you tried it yet like, no i haven't tried it yet i've got all my foam cut and everything and i've got all my weight so when i put it in the water for the first time will be the first time i get you to just keep adding weight till you get it down right. where you want it yeah okay cool so george if somebody wanted to make this a diveable sub could they do that oh yeah i mean steve hodges he printed out one that's you know i think it's um 53 54 inches something like that the same exact model and he's it's he'll probably made it um at this event we're going to here in a couple of weeks but um it's the same exact submarine a different propeller but it'll be fully operational it'll go under the water he uses uh i think they use a 72 megahertz yeah set up get through the water yeah penetrate the water i i got another question george what um what size like what scale did you say this is it would be 136 scale okay well my question is where do you get a 136 scale bottle of champagne to bust <laughs> on it when you Maiden, I just printed out. Okay, <laughs> printed out, out in two pieces. It's yeah. already broken. Put a put, put, put a, a tack in it. Put a drop of beer in there and smash it. Mm-hmm. I christen me the flying walk. Moonshine. Put some moonshine. Moonshine. <laughs> it's actually the USS uh, Dallas. Okay, that's what my graphics are, dude. It's it's like I don't know. It's hard to describe to our listeners who, who can't see the video, but it's like you're your atypical submarine, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. If you're listening, go pause the podcast, go to the tired iron aviation, Facebook page and look at his video. It's really cool. Or the picture. Yeah. There's an old rough face looking hillbilly on the video. Yeah. But don't forget to come back and finish listening to the episode. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And let's move it on. So I did fly, you know, I said before the show that I didn't fly anything. This week, but I did. I take it back. I put one of the uh, little Blade 230s and one of those Seeking bodies I printed out. And it barely, barely flew. You know, if you weren't, <laughs> as long as you weren't trying to turn left, <laughs> you know, it, it would barely stay in the air. So I printed out, I'm, and I'm still printing out parts, doing one at, um, you know, a lot thinner wall. So okay. lightening it up. Uh, no infill on the wheels and the sponsons, so we'll see how that holds up. But I'm definitely going to have to cut the weight almost in half to make it fly good. 
but it looks cool. And George, we're getting a little look into your shop here with the pictures that you posted, uh, especially as far as the helicopters go into the background behind this sub, man. Mm-hmm. You said that sub's nine feet long N- or no, was it nine, nine feet? Nine and a half feet long. Nine and a half feet long. If that sub's nine and a half feet long, the Cobra next to it, is that a Cobra? Yeah. That's got to be seven feet easy, right? It's seven and a half feet long. Oh, my God. You see the big H-34, don't you, with the yellow on the back? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's over nine feet, I think. That's gorgeous, man. You got some really nice scale stuff. George, don't screw around. No. It was big. That's awesome. I really like the scale stuff. I, you know how I am about our military, and I've just always loved military vehicles ever since I was a little kid. Yeah, and on the video, I could see that little, uh, the little jeep, too. Oh yeah, in the background of one of the shots. Oh, that thing is so fun. Yeah, guys, the listeners, uh, you know, gotta go check it out and see like. What is that, a B-29 that I see in the background? I mean, there's a lot of cool planes hanging. There's a lot of stuff in here, yeah. There's there's not a B-29, but a yeah. B-24? B-24s, B-20, B-17s, B-25s. It's behind the TIE fighter. That's why I can't see it, <laughs> the TIE bomber. Um, oh, yeah, that's a B-17 probably. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. Definitely check it out, listeners, if you want to see you know, George's setup over there. Very cool, man. Tiredironaviation.com. <laughs> so that was my week. Other than working, you know, I'm still, you know, working from home even before the Corona hit. But, uh, but it's just different since that, you know, it's really, I feel really boxed in. So I do have some plans to get out and we'll talk about that later in the show. But that was my week. Cool. Nice. So it's my turn now. It's your turn, dude. I hadn't done anything. Oh my god! Next. No, this is I, so bad. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I simmed on Friday with you. That was a lot of fun. That was fun. I actually was hanging out with the guys till like uh, I think I got off at twelve o'clock midnight. Oh my god! And then I saw the the Discord, I guess, was up on my thing. They were in the chat doing pictures and probably talking God knows how long. But I saw pictures and stuff up to like 2, 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> you guys are Eastern crazy. time. I don't know what the Holy hell they're doing. Cow. That's awesome, but, though. But that's creating a community, you know. It is. Yeah, yeah it's, real, it's really it's, cool. I, I found to, that if you have a place like that that's friendly, you know, it's kind of like my site. We don't put up with any real craziness, but people look for a place like that where they can go have fun and not going to be, you know, flamed every time they open their mouth. Yeah. You said friendly. I don't know how friendly it is, but yeah. it's definitely fun. I mean, it's camaraderie. <laughs> a lot of no, shit talking, but it's mostly good hearted. But yeah, oh, yeah. It's like guys, guys working and, you know, it's like, it's like being at work and just and not being at work at work, but just like the being at work and shit talking and. Yeah, you know, right. nobody yeah, takes yeah. it personally, which is great. No, it's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, I really, I enjoy it each and every week. Yeah, I usually will sim for about forty five minutes, maybe or an hour at the most, and then I put the controller down. And I just sit back and listen to all the nonsense. <laughs> That's what's fun. The, nice. The 
the BS. I've got to get on there again. Yeah, George. I just, it seems like on Friday nights, I've just always tried to do something with my wife. Yeah, I understand. She's so good to me. I really, you know, to let me live the lifestyle I do, um, yes, I have to take care of her. Yeah, man. No, I get it. Absolutely. I got internet hooked up today. Awesome. my house. You on that internet? I'm I'm on that newfangled interweb system. Nice, Uh, man. And everybody's probably rolling their eyes like, yeah, so what? Who cares? Well, I didn't really think I would ever get any kind of broadband service out here where I'm at just because there's, there's no houses really out this way on this road, except for me and my father. And it's a rural area on top of that. So there's even in a 20 mile radius, there's not a lot of houses. You know what I'm saying? There's a few. Right. It's not yeah. a, not a um, very populated area. So to get fiber out here, I've got the fiber going all the way into the house, gigabit service up and down. Crazy. I'm pretty friggin' stoked by that. That's insane, man. Yeah. You didn't get, you didn't get internet. You got yeah, the yeah. internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty, pretty stoked about it, to be honest. You can download it all. I can, I can download the entire internet. Exactly. <laughs> I'll get to that page where it says, you have reached the end of the internet. Please turn yeah. back. You oh, shoot yourself. <laughs> nah, so I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, it was today. So I, you know took me like an hour to put all those freaking passwords and everything on my um, the services and stuff. A bunch of them I'd still been paying for and haven't been using for like two years, like Hulu and Netflix and AOL. I, all that kind of shit. AOL. <laughs> yeah. I can tell just, I mean, I can tell the difference in the quality. And, and actually, my goatee is starting to, it's starting to go towards the microphone. It's like it's sucking it in. <laughs> <laughs> so Andy, I think um, listeners out there are not rolling their eyes that you got internet. I think they're rolling their eyes that you didn't have <laughs> any kind of broadband. Yeah, well that's like what amazed. I'm saying. They're pro- you got internet? Yes, yeah, so what? I've been doing everything as you guys know off of a Verizon MiFi thing. Yeah, I can't believe yeah. that. You know, and it it works fine, but you're kind of limited to like 15 gigabytes a month. You go over that, it's throttle it way back. Yeah. Even though they say it's unlimited, it's really not. And it works fine, but you don't have enough data to like stream movies and stream this, stream that, you know, kind of the podcasts and that kind of stuff. And that, that pretty much uses most of it up. I so mean, that, you went nothing to basically as good as it gets right now. Yeah. Yep. So hopefully it's reliable and, you know, it's uh, it's done through the power company, Holston Electric. So it's not uh, Comcast or Charter or any of that crap. So yeah. hopefully, you know, it'll be reliable. Hopefully right. they keep their end up. So we'll, we'll see. see either on or off pretty yeah. much. Yeah, I mean, it, and I was surprised because I've had uh, my other places and stuff. I've had high-speed internet, but it was, and it was fiber on the poles, but then it was coax run into the house. So yeah. whatever they call that. Okay. This is, they run the fiber all the way to the, like 
inside of the router, basically. Mm-hmm. It's a little device that the fiber cable goes into, and then it's a Cat6 Ethernet from there to the router. So oh, it's yeah. Like it's, clo- it's like in the house, which I was kind of surprised by. I wasn't expecting that, to be honest. Yeah, that uh, was something uh, that MCI wanted to do. I can remember when I worked for them in 95 or 96. Yeah. They they wanted to do fiber. They called it FTTC fiber to the curb. Mm-hmm. They were they that was something they wanted to do, but then you know, they were a victim of their own demise. Yeah. And got bought up by uh Verizon. Right. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty neat. I I was I was surprised the way they're doing it now. But like I said, that gives me a super fast up speed too, you know, upload speed. Yeah. So it's going to be good. I we can do, I can do podcasty things and stream stuff. So I'm, I'm excited to get, get some more equipment and stuff, but it's going to be good. You can do Facebook live from the, the combine now. Just put your phone up there and let us just see where you're going. Yeah. I can look for airheads. I mean, I could, but why? Yeah, I was going to say. Be bored out of your mind. I could I could look for our heads and stuff. Yeah, from a combine. <laughs> hey, shut up, George. I, I could put the camera on the on the wall after I paint it, too. I can't. You guys I, can watch I can't, that. I can't wait to come down there and look for our heads. All right, come on. Right there I'll along give the, the, I'll give you $10 if you can find one. Uh, for each one I find? No, for one. Just one? Okay. Because I don't think, I mean, you might, but. It, oh, listen. The ground and, hasn't been turned in decades, so they're, they're not many around still. Oh, yes. All right, come on. This fall after I've harvested. Yeah, you take you me down. If you go looking now, you, you'd have to walk through the corn. Yeah, you take me down to the, to the river, pretty close to the river, in a in an outside bend, and I'll find you all kinds of stuff. All right. I don't have an outside bend. They're all inside bends. <laughs> we'll, we'll go over on the other side. Oh my God. I'm so playing like <laughs> hillbilly music in the background. I'm going to take you down to the river and leave you is what I'm going to do. <laughs> That's all right. <clears throat> oh, all, that, all that stuff is very valuable. Yeah. I believe you. Everything's okay. valuable. You just got to find the right person to sell it to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's an idiot born every day. <laughs> How much you want for that R two D two? Oh, jeez, I don't he's know. Right now, he's like my child. I'd sell my kid for two thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> George, if you really want one, I'll print you out another one. I'm not. I'm not going to sell you this no, for two thousand no, no, dollars, no. dude. No way. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to take that much for it. What? Yeah, I that, feel like I'd be ripping you off. Starting. That's just my starting bid now. I'm oh, telling you, I'm, you get it completely going. We're talking about twice that. <laughs> wow, George, you're the worst negotiator I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm just, I'll give you 2000 No, wait, double it. Yeah. After I already said I, I don't want that. <laughs> yeah, has to be finished. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, moving along. What I'll tell you what, Steve's going to die. When he listens to this episode. Yep. Yeah. Probably our listeners are going to drive off a cliff. I'm already dying. Yeah. It's pretty bad, actually. (laughs) We haven't Uh, even got into the topic yet. Yeah. 
What is the I main that, topic? Yeah, I think that's enough of the week's bullshit. Let's okay. move on to the main topic. Okay. What are they talking about? More specifically, what are we talking about? And this is common terms we use when talking about helis and stuff and their meanings. And I got to give a shout out to Tony, one of our listeners, for suggesting this topic. He was kind of, he was saying that he, sometimes he's listening while he's driving down the road and we're just spouting off all kinds of crazy stuff. And he's like, what the hell are they saying? Now he knows how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> Siamese um, pirouettes and pour, pour it in a funnel stuff. You know, I don't know anything about that stuff. Pour it in a funnel? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So this is for, I guess, for maybe if you're new to the hobby or if you fly planes and quads mostly, most of the stuff we have here is more heli related. So let's go through them. First yeah. up, collective and cyclic. What are those, Kevin? Well, collective uh, is the Borg collective. No, right. I'm only kidding. Uh, collective is your resistance is futile. Collective is your pitch of your blades, correct? Yes. Going up and down. Yes. Collect. Well, they both affect the pitch of the blade. Collective is the up and down, and cyclic um, gives you the forward, backwards, and left and right control. Yeah, and I got to tell you, dude, I'm going to probably comment on everyone, and I'm going to probably say mostly the same thing. For the first, like, two years I was flying helicopters, I got these backwards all the time. I didn't get them backwards while I was flying um, too much. Yeah, because you wouldn't be flying very long if you did. Right, but I always was like, I always had to stop and think, is it collective I mean, or is it cyclic do I mean? Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, they're kind of confusing. Can be. And normally, your collective is... On your left side, Correct. on your left stick, up For and mode, down. Mode two. Excuse mode me, two. If you fly mode two, collective is on your left thumb. Uh, up and down is the collective, positive pitch, negative pitch. And your left thumb, um, the left and right movement would be the rudder. This is on mode two, obviously. And the right stick would be the cyclic. Forward, back, left, right. Right. And I think, isn't doesn't... Duncan Bosnian fly like mode one, a different mode. Mode one and mode one is the collective is the left up and down and aileron on the left. Yes. So basically for mode one, the aileron and rudder are on reverse, like on different sticks. Yeah. And Steve and pointed I, that out to me. I think it was either 2014 or 15. He was at Flight Fest doing a demo. Right. And he said, watch, he's going to do one-handed aileron TikToks. He's going to raise his hand in the air because he yep. flies a different mode, yep. which I thought was very interesting. Yep. And there's uh, mode three and four, but I'll be honest, I don't remember what the hell they are. Yeah. Hmm. Most people in the U.S. fly mode two, I've found, and a lot of people in Europe fly mode one. Right. I don't know why. But anyway, that's your control, collective and cyclic. Um, well, I think the, the, the uh, collective is the gas. Mm. You know, if you want to climb, you give it some gas. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. That's, that's not a good analogy, but okay. Now, see, here's a weird train of thought. 
that I had when I first started flying helicopters. And it was because I came from flying planes. And on planes, your elevator is on your right up and down. Right. And your ailerons are, you know, your left, your rudder is your rudder. But on the planes, <laughs> kind of where George is coming from, I almost switched things around when I first started flying helicopters because I said, well, if I want to move the plane up, I have to give elevator. And I almost moved it to where my collective was on the right side going up and right. down. Because right. then the helicopter will go up, They'll up like and down. Sense, right? yeah. 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 It'd be like mode three or four or something. Yeah, crazy. it would have been something crazy. I don't know where I would have put the elevator then at that point. <laughs> on the Pro- slider? Probably on the, on the I would have swapped the two. Because it kind of made more sense to me initially when I started going from airplanes to helicopters. Yeah, yeah I can see that. And uh, mo- we still call, well, most people, myself included sometimes, just because it's kind of a unspoken standard. When talking about helis, we'll talk about elevator or aileron. That's not technically correct. It's left cyclic, forward cyclic, back cyclic. But uh-huh. to keep it simple, we say, you know, left or right aileron, forward or back elevator. Uh-huh. Okay. You really want to get more technical okay that's Um, all i need to do is get more technical yeah (laughs) well i mean if you you know if you say you want to go into forward flight you give forward cyclic right right but most people would just say forward elevator yeah or aileron rolls yeah 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 yep uh next on the list would be just general saying a gyro yep that's that Uh, thing i get on the street corner yeah. For five bucks. Gyro. Meat and cheese in it. Yeah. Yeah. No, a uh, gyro a gyro is a is is it short for gyroscopic? I wonder. Yes, but gyrosynchronistic. <laughs> well, gyro it's a gyros I guess it's a gyroscopic control unit. Uh I'm not sure. I'm I actually not sure exactly what I mean. It's something the gyro the is topic, flight stabilizer. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think it was. I didn't think. Of, I don't think of that as having much control. But that we don't we don't use that much anymore, unless you're flying a a flybard helicopter. Correct. Right. Right. Like, a lot of people still call their flybarless unit a gyro, which is not wrong. Yeah, but didn't the the gyro on a on a on a uh, Flybard helicopter didn't that only controlled the rudder? Correct. So that was only just one one axis. So technically, a flybarless unit is the same. I mean, it just it's controls all three axes. It's like six gyros or yeah. three gyros. Yeah, it's that, that stupid thing where they say it's six axis. Yeah. The fuck are the other three axes? Yeah, that used to just be on the rudder servo from right. my old four fifty days. I remember coming out of the receiver going to the gyro and then out to the rudder yep. servo which i could only get working every now and then if the planets aligned <laughs> i could actually fly a helicopter yeah <laughs> and i'll never forget the day we'll go into this later i'll never forget the day when uh steve said what happens if you go to uh idle up <laughs> and i said i don't know and i hit the switch and i plummeted <laughs> Well, I didn't plummet, but it got out of hand real quick, started whipping around, and I was like, oh, okay, wow. that's what happens. <laughs> I, I, I peed a little. That's what happened. Yeah. 
Yeah. I can just see your face as that thing starts <laughs> dropping. Oh, oh shit. Well, it, it didn't go. <laughs> it just it just went to normal, you know, went to a constant head speed, and I think I lost the tail or something. I don't know. I put it in. I put it in really quick after uh, he asked me. Uh, <laughs> oh, you didn't save it? You actually hit the ground with it? Yeah, I plowed it in. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. That was my norm, though, back in those days. Yeah. This. I can't imagine flying helicopters back then. Yeah. Yeah, so when we were talking about the gyro, most of us were just, would just be talking about a tail gyro. But I see it used a lot uh, as uh, short for a fly barless unit or uh, in a plane. Some yes. people, you know, if you use a, any kind of like a, a Aura 8 or AS3X or any of that stuff, that's yeah, kind of a gyro help. It's not, some of them don't actually do self-leveling or any of that crap, but they and do, hear, they do that, help. You hear that more often in the, uh, in the plane community. Right. Right. Yeah. It's more to counteract outside forces, I think. Right. Right. Sure. The, the good ones are right. Yeah. That kind of brings us to the FBL or the fly barless unit. I don't, yeah. uh, do you guys call it a FBL? I don't. I know it's a couple guys that actually do call yeah, it FBL. Some do. Um, I usually call it the fly barless unit or something like that. I call it a flight controller. Flight controller. Yeah. Those all work. That's the, the control unit that assists us with the flying or takes the place of the fly bar. The fly bar was a mechanical um, gyroscopic assistance. And the fly barless is all elect- electronic. So we, you put a control from your radio into the unit, like you say you want to apply forward cl- uh, cyclic, and then it uh, it it does it. It sends the, the servos, does the mixing and everything for the the collective mixing. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say the same thing. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I was going to say that too. If you're the fly barless unit or the that FBL is actually doing the flying and you're kind of telling it what you want it to do. And it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of a crude way to say it, but it's, it's, yeah. it's you, basically keeping out the outside. influence. Right. You say, I want to roll right. And then it decides how to move the servos and how much to move them. And so right. on and so forth to get the, the amount of movement that you requested. Yep. All right. And I, and I love the, uh, I think it was a, a British guy I heard one time say, why is everything named for nothing? Like we have cordless phones and fly barless, you know, receivers. It's like, it's couldn't they come up with a name? It's like yeah. the name of something minus something. Yeah. All right. I don't know. That's a good point. I guess yeah. just uh, so people like, know what the hell it is because they're used to one way, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You don't call it a corded phone. You just say a phone. Right. Yeah. Like crotchless underwear. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) You knew it was coming. Oh, man. I don't know what George's been into tonight, but it's pretty damn funny. It is. Oh, man. He is high on life for sure. Yep. Got the sub in one big chunk. He's happy now. 
He's drunk on that sub. <laughs> this tickled that everything worked. Yeah, I, mean, I would be great... too, George. I'm giving you a hard time, but yeah. I, I know you'd be excited. Yeah. It's pretty pretty good accomplishment. It really Nine, is. Yeah. Nineteen days from the time I got the file till wow. today. Yeah. How many? Nineteen. Nineteen. Wow. Uh, you want to read off a couple, Kevin? Sure. It up. The next one we have on the list is Gain. Right. Which, uh, that's a good one. I'm not even sure what I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm not really sure what that is. I know how to adjust for it when it's off. I, well, I know. I know what I think it means. I yeah. Thought. Give um, it a shot, George. Gain is like on your fly barless controller. You know if. If I want it to be super sensitive about staying really straight and level and everything, I, I would turn the gain up. If I want it to be more agile where I have more control of it and I don't feel the the fly barless controller controlling it, I would use less gain. Is that Um correct? Yeah, kinda. I mean, not really, but sorta. Okay. Um I, go, Kevin. I think that's what George is talking about is more of a setting in like agility with V bar and, right. and, and, and that kind of thing for me gain. I always notice in a new helicopter, uh, with the tail when I'm setting up the tail, you always kind of like either you get a slow wag or, or a quick wag and you turn your gain to, to get the, get the wag out right. you know, one way or the other. Yeah. I would kind of define it as the fly barless units or the gyros, a tail gyro. They use a PID control loop to actually do what they do. And the gain is just adjusting one of those parameters, whether it be PID or a combination of all three. Okay. Some of them would, like if you just have a main gain, it's probably mostly controlling the P, but it could also be doing some of the I and D as well. And that's part of the behind the scenes math that different units use, you know, whether it be icon or V bar or right. spear or whatever, they all they have just, a little bit different. They just throw that term around loosely in their, well, you know, like in the controls where it'll say. Game, right. Stuff well, like. uh, some units you can actually control uh, separately adjust the P and I and the D like right. the icon some it's a little more hidden and you get a mixture of all three with like the V bar. Um, you know, so, but when we say gain, that's mainly just a, a tuning parameter of the gyro or the fly barless unit. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned gyro because I can remember messing with the gain back when I had the fly barred helis, uh, to try and tune the tail. Right. You know, so it wasn't wasn't as crazy. If you want a really good video on PID and what they do, there's a guy who set up more or less a, a like a teeter totter with a with a ball on it. I don't know if you guys have seen this. Yeah, I've seen that. Mm -hmm. Where it kind of counteracts the ball dropping to one side and uh trying to keep it in the middle. That's that's a pretty good video on on PID and gain. Someone smarter than me could explain PID all night for like hours and hours, but right. But basically, ju it's just the control loop that that does all the the magic behind the scenes, keeps your heli from doing something crazy. Yeah, and I've really never had to mess with it, PI or D, individually. Right. 
I know that on the flyboard helis, I actually my initial thought was to set it on a dial, like on a on a right. rotor, mm-hmm. on a rotary, so I could figure out where it was, and then once I got that, I would set it. Um, I don't know if that was the right way to do it. No, that's a great way to do it. Okay, so I did something right in my RC career. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, most units will have like a main gain, and right. You can just put that on a dial and adjust it up or down. You get it good enough, then it's good enough. Um, or you can really dive into the individual P, I, and D if you really want to get that last 5%. Or if you have some kind of weird problem, you know, you can sometimes fix it with that. But see, now, this is where I kind of, like, have a problem with, the, like, getting too technical. Like, learn how to fly the helicopter or whatever first. You know what I mean? Like... I mean, yeah, you want to get the, the gain out and you want it to be a, a flyable helicopter, you know, or whatever model you're flying. But don't, I, I, I never dove into any of that stuff until it came up to where I could feel it. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, yep. I don't know. Like, guys, sometimes guys, I think, create more problems for themselves. Right. Yeah, that's a good that point. kind of stuff. Yeah, because, I mean, I can I understand the principles about all the tuning parameters but I can't fly good enough to really tell much difference. Like you can move stuff a couple points either way. And I'm like, well, it, I, I can't tell. It's the friggin' same to me. Yeah. So if I get it pretty good and I never try to get that last 10% just because I can't, I'm not a good enough pilot to really be able to tell. And it's one of those things where as you get better and then you start noticing things that need to be improved, that's when you dive into that. Like once you get to a certain level, you could say, oh, well, I'm trying to do this super complicated maneuver and I'm getting a reaction that I don't want. So how do I tune that out? Yeah, I'm, I'm not to that point yet. As long as it just flies pretty decent and doesn't do anything stupid, then I'm like, yeah, whatever. Just go with it. Yeah. And I can remember in the last couple of weeks, Paul Andrioli has been out to our field a few times and talking to him. He's one of those guys where. Yeah, he could tell he's trying to get every last ounce right. of mm-hmm. everything out. You know what I mean? And, uh, really knowledgeable guy. And I'm glad I got a chance to pick his brain a little bit when he was at our field. But yeah, I'm like, okay. Uh, but you, you bring up a really good point, Kevin, and I'm glad you did because I see people like tuning and tuning and tuning and tuning, and they're really not flying anything more than maybe a hover. They do some pitch pumps and, Maybe a little bit of forward flight, but that's kind of it. And they're just tuning and tuning and tuning. I'm like, what? Just go fly. Get better at flying, and then you can tune later. Like, why are you trying to tune to the absolute bleeding edge if you don't have the skills to even implement it? You yeah. Know what I'm saying? Yeah, because you wouldn't know. How would you know what what ends or what parameters you're going to try and go after? Yeah, exactly. And you're not just, really just fly. You're not stressing the model. As long as it, as long as it's um, doing what you ask and not doing anything crazy, you know. Yeah. As long as it's flyable, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And if your gain is too high, what happens on your tail specifically? If your gain is too high, doesn't it? uh, Is that that's the fast wag? Yeah. The the next term here, the tail wag. Tail Mm. wag. Yeah. Dreaded tail wag. Uh, I put this one in here because it doesn't, if you don't fly helis and you say, I got a 
bad tail wag, you'd be like, what the hell does that mean? Well, you know, it's funny that you said that because on the Sequoia that I have stocked from Park Zone back in the day. <laughs> That's horrible, yeah. Uh, that actually did have a tail wag yeah. on it, and it was the elevator. When you got in one of the modes, or every mode, when you got going fast enough, it I would have, just hop up and down. Yeah, yeah. Really quick, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a couple different tail wags. There's the fast tail wag where when you start to push the rudder or you're going in like a high speed maneuver or a funnel or something, right? Put, putting pressure on it, you get like a really fast oscillation and it can be alarming and scary and it can really damage stuff, especially if you have a torque tube belly. Like mm. it, it can strip your gears damn near immediately. Oh, wow. Got to be careful with that one. Um, And that's just a really fast oscillation. Like, imagine the tail going back and forth an inch or two inches, but doing it several times a second. Yeah. You'll know when you hear it. You can hear it. Yeah. It's a distinctive sound. Uh, The other tail wag is like a slow tail wag. So, like, if you're in a hover and you see that the tail's just moving back and forth, you know, maybe one oscillation per second or something like that, just slowly back and forth. And my experience is nine times out of 10, it's a mechanical problem with that. Either a too tight tail mechanics, uh, sticking tail control rod or sticking slider or something like that. What about too much backlash? Yeah, you could do it. It's still mechanical. Um, sometimes, uh, gains can get, kind of weird and can do it too but most of the time a slow wag is mechanical in my experience not to say that a tuning issue can't cause it or fix it but if you got a really smooth buttery tail you usually don't have much wag yeah and i had that one issue with my five fit my logo 550 yeah where we swapped the tail from rob's Rob McClellan's logo 550 and it went from a foot to about an inch or two and uh kind of cleared up when I put it on the icon but I right. think and and it was it was very smooth um I think this is just one of those cases that's outside the you know 99% well don't you think it was still a mechanical issue of some sort whether it be the way the the hub was machined or the bearings well, were setting or something well, I did change the, I, I changed it from the plastic to the metal tail. Can uh, I help it some? That helped a lot. Yeah. It was flyable and I was flying it, but the wag was still there and I couldn't get it out. And then when I shipped it to Florida and put the icon on it, the first hover I did, I was like, oh my God, the, the tail, the wag's gone. Right. So I don't know if it could possibly be that my, uh, my fly barless controller was not stuck down correctly or maybe a little, a little loose. Yeah, there, there might've been one, some, some parameter you could have tweaked just a tiny little bit in the VR yeah. that would have solved it. That was just happened to already be kind of where it needed to be in the icon. Right. Cause, right. Cause that can happen. You know, you can switch and yeah, cause every unit kind of does math different in, you know, and have, has different stock parameters. Yeah. Um, yep. So, you know, that can happen, but, that's a tail wag. Uh, I set mine up so docile. I don't run into many of these issues, you know? Yeah. Scale stuff. 
Right. Um, what about bobbles and wobbles? Head bobble or head wobble? That I really haven't experienced that much. Yeah. Yeah, that's just a tuning thing, too, where your gain's either too high or too low. And um, Steve said something one time about, you know, he, he noticed that the tail would move up and down, I think, if if he was getting a bobble in the, you know, in the right. the, the main rotor, which made sense because it's kind of at the far end of the, the whole setup. But that's pretty uh, self-explanatory. Yeah, it's just where Sorry. the the disc has a wobble or bobble to it. You know, it shakes or something like that. That's what we call a bobble. You know, if you say, yeah, I was tuning uh, or flying and doing TikToks and I was getting a head bobble. It's just a, you have to attune your gains a little bit. So that's kind of all that is. Yeah. And I noticed uh, when I started doing TikToks that initially when I started doing TikToks, that I would, when I stopped and did the hard stop, I would get a little shake in the tail a little bit as I yeah. went back. And now that I'm doing those better, that's actually gone. I don't. If I do, if I, ex- yeah, I I've noticed that too. Better. Um, uh, if I do, if I execute the TikToks correctly and smooth, there's no bobble. If I do them really poorly, there can be a little bit. Right. I've actually adjusted D gain and got rid of it even. I got to really do them really wrong now to see it. So that's, that can be, that could be tuned out as well. Yeah. And the next one we have here is flight mode idle up. And this one to this day, I have to stop and think of what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, these next two are kind of grouped together in my mind. Flight modes and banks. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you my thoughts and then you guys can comment. Okay. In my in, uh, in my mind, the flight mode is the uh, like the RPM and the pitch setup. Well, so like if it's a normal mode, that means you have the throttle tied to the collective. I mean, yeah, the collective stick. So the more pitch you give, the more RPM you're sending, and the curves can be adjusted all different ways for different purposes. Uh, and normally what we would fly in would be an idle idle up mode, and that is a set head speed, usually maintained with a governor. Mm-hmm. And then you have a different pitch curve for whatever you're trying to do. And most of the time it's just a, uh, a straight curve, you know, from full negative, zero in the middle, and then full positive. Yeah. Yep. So the different flight modes would be, if you had idle up one or two or three for different head speeds. And then the banks is a, a different setup kind of in the fly barless unit. Like if you, if you use bank switching, you can have a set of gains and tuning parameters or rotation rates, flip and roll rates. You can have three different sets of these and, I use it for mostly for tuning purposes. So if you want to tune a parameter, you can have one a little bit below and one a little bit above. And then while you're flying, you can cycle through, you know, have one that you don't change and you can, then you can cycle, you know, I went down. Did it get better? No, I go up. Did it get better? Yes. So move in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, the other re- use for the bank's, would be if you want different 
characteristics. Like if you're doing F3C, you want a hover mode or a, you know, an aerobatics mode and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think where it gets confusing is some units kind of combine these together, like the V bar, the V control. Uh, right. You've got, you've got three, well, four, I guess, if you count. Well, no three, really. Yeah. And you're, you've got your RPM tied to those. So while they are banks, they also serve as flight modes. Would you say that's correct? Yeah. This has always confused me, and it's still it's getting less cloudy, but especially the terminology, normal mode and idle up, I always thought those were backwards. Like idle up should be from when I go from a, a dead stop to an idle or whatever, you know, a normal mode should be the normal mode I'm flying around in. It's, it's the complete opposite. That's yeah. What I, that's what I thought in the beginning. Right. So normal mode is your cyclics going up and down. You're changing the pitch and your RPM of your motor is also on that stick. Right. Like you said, and idle up is a constant, constant line. And you bring up a good point about the banks too, as well. I mean, I know this is out there and I know the, you know, the controller is capable of doing all this, but something I don't really use that often, maybe because I'm just happy with the RPM that I'm at. I mainly, I mainly think of that as my RPM. That's, you know, that's it. But you bring up a great point about like, what if I wanted to try something different or quicker tail or, or, you know, different setting in the agility or whatnot, I could put it on that and go back and forth. Mainly where you would sit if you're not tuning would be if you like, say you want really docile rates for doing hover or something like that, or, and then you want more aggressive for 3d. When I first started, I would actually have a, a really soft controls for like takeoff and landing and then a sport mode and then a 3d mode. Mm-hmm. And then I quickly figured out, well, this is stupid because I need to just learn one right. um, thing. So the heli always reacts the same each time, wherever the stick is. So I kind of just went to use one set of rates all across the board. And then, um, but if you're playing with like F3C or something, that's where you're going to be back and you want the hover mode. So you're going to have a low RPM. You're going to have a whole lot of expo and a lot of, you know, very low rate, very low flip and roll rate where the heli would just barely even flip over. You know, I think some of the guys, some of the advanced guys use like 20 or 30 degrees per second. I mean, insanely low. Okay. Where your your normal flip and roll is going to be like 300 or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's crazy. Yeah, when uh, I set up the 690 initially, I had probably 1500, 1700 and 1900 as my RPM for the three banks. Uh-huh. And at one point Rob and I were trying to see how low of an RPM we could actually fly in. Uh cuz he I think he had his either 700 or 690 at the field one day. And we kept going down more and more. And I think I got down to, I, I think I got down to like 880 or 860, but I brought yeah. it back up to 900. And that's like my bank one now. Yeah. So if I want to be stupid and just fly around like almost an actual helicopter, I, for like I put 20 it, minutes. For, yeah. But it's, uh, it's more taxing on you, on you than you think, though, because there's no room for error. 
Yeah, it's like, actually harder to fly low head speed than it is yeah. high, high head speed. So what, what we actually did, Rob and I, I think we went in and gave that that RPM more. We changed the pitch in one of them. I think it might have been the 1400. Yeah. Because uh, right now I am I like I, I know I should change it, but it's just the way it's set up and the way I kind of like it. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's no, it doesn't have to yeah. be any certain way. Right. So I have 900, 1400, and 1900. I think 1950 maybe I'm up to now. But uh, the 1400 is really cool if I want to do some you know low head speed not super low head speed yeah sure but low head speed stuff i remember i was at an event i probably flight fest i put it in 1400 and he was like oh wow that's pretty low and i flipped it over and he was like oh no way you can't and then i did a pyro flip and he was like holy cow i was like yeah if you get your collective you know you can actually do some stuff that was about all i did you know i'm no i'm not diamante or anything like that but, yeah, uh, I, I like the ho- low head speed. You do a TikTok, but it's like tick. Talk. Yeah. Yeah. Tick. <laughs> it's just very slow. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Now, we didn't mention this is only electric. We didn't mention the nitro at all. I know that the bank, the first bank in my nitro is usually on the throttle, right? Yeah. Your, your flat mode or, yeah, normal mode for starting and yeah, revving it up the engine and stuff like that. Because on the electrics, you can you can get away with having three banks that are just set RPMs, because your ESC kind of like does the startup and then hands off yeah. to your. Yeah, to see, your, this, uh, this is my point of the confusion. You're saying banks where I'm thinking flight modes. Yeah. But you're saying banks because you use V bar and V control, right. and that's kind of the way it's set up for that system. Whereas in a lot of the others the flop modes and the banks are totally separated. Right. I, I think even spectrum. I, I yeah. remember seeing oh, flight yeah. modes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like with the jetty, I can have nine flop modes, but I'm only, I'm limited to the three banks in the, the brain or the icon. So you can have, you can do anything you want with the banks, but then also have all the different pitch curves and throttle curves for the different flop modes. Not so saying what, that you need that, just saying it. That's the way two different systems are. So, what would the actual bank do then? Just control the RPM in that case, or no? It would not control the RPM. It would control stuff in the flybarless unit, like the flip and roll rates, the gains, okay, uh, tail rotation rate, stuff like that. Oh, so you, you use the flight modes for the RPM, and if you want to have different pitch curves. So you could actually have three different RPMs and then three different rates or whatever. Yeah, you could have three different rates and uh, like nine or ten different RPMs. Oh, wow. Range. Okay. You could do the same thing with Spectrum. You might be limited to three or four flight modes. Yeah. Yeah. Normal Adalip 1 and 2. Yeah. That brings me to the next two here. Uh, integration and telemetry those two things have always interested me and i've had a few airplane um receivers that had telemetry yeah um i had one of those ix10 or 12s for a while or whatever it was that you know this computer had the android i I didn't care for it but um so what's the difference between telemetry and integration well like integration would be like if you've got a jetty and you, you use i don't know Jetty, 
I forget what you call them. Um, it's not really a receiver. You use it connected with the, uh, you can use an icon brain or I guess V bar or anything. With yeah. It is a receiver. Yeah. Or if you're using V bar V control, then you're just using EO. Or if you're using something else, you can use a, a you know, a V satellite or a V mm-hmm. some sort of Mikado receiver. Um, but the integration allows you to adjust things in the flop Arlish unit from the radio. Right. And the telemetry is just giving you data. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of planes have telemetry, but very few have any kind of integration. Right. I don't know what they're doing with the quads now. They may have integration with those. I'm not sure. Yeah, and the integration was like the big reason I wanted to try the, the V-Control or something yeah. more complex yeah. than uh, you know, Spectrum. It's, it's pretty fantastic. It really is. If you're not on that train, it's it's pretty great. And not even just V control, but Jetty or V control or you know, yep. anything that has the integration like yeah, that. I mean, it's well, a Spectrum game changer. Will, I yeah, think. Spectrum has it now with uh, Brain and uh, Spirit. Yes, um, Jetty will integrate with Brain and Spirit and Bavarian Demon, Axon. I think that's all that's left. No, um, what's the other one? Spartan. Mm. And three DGs gone. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's different different radios will integrate with different stuff. Some are kind of all in house, like V bar V control, but mm-hmm. it works really well. Kind of be like uh, the difference between Apple and Android, I would guess. Right. Apple's kind of like your V bar. It's doesn't work well with other stuff, but it works fantastic with its own. Within its own ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I remember when we had a show. We talked about that the V control, old yeah. V bar stuff, and the others work with multiple different stuff, but sometimes they're not as polished or don't work as well, or maybe don't have as many features. I like the telemetry on the airplanes, you know, with the voltage and stuff like that. Yeah. Once that, you start flying with battery consumption, like yeah. milliamp hours used. That's such a game changer because no timers, none of this yeah. fly really hard and overfly your battery or fly really soft and land with 50% left. Mm-hmm. You can, it's, it's just, it's, you know, it's what the greatest you know? thing ever. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Plus it helped me and probably sure. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Uh, you know, you, if you plug in a battery that has been discharged, yeah, you can like immediately is it'll tell you. Yeah. If a pack's going bad, you can get low voltage alarms if you have them set up. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You can even set it for like differences in sales, like a margin, can't you? Uh, some of them you can. Yeah. I think uh, Spectrum has a, I know Jetty does, has a thing you can plug into the balance port that measures right. each individual cell. I don't really use mm-hmm. that, but you, you can. Cool. Yeah. Who wants to get the next one? The next one we have here is auto or auto rotation. Yeah. What is that? Something uh, I don't want to have to do. <laughs> you should practice it, George. Well, you probably never want to do it in a scale helicopter. I keep telling him to get a pod and boom to practice stuff with. But yeah. as soon as he gets one, he'll keep it for about three days and then he sticks a fuselage on it. I've 
Still got one. <laughs> Oxy five, dude. I got a little four fifty ale, um, a line that I've left a, bones. Yeah, but off. you need a you need a big heli. I've got that six hundred nitro. I need to fire up one day and crash. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you need like a an oxy five. Really, would be a good one. Something you could fly and, and I have an oxy practice three. flying and uh, autos and stuff without that still has parts available. Mm. Yeah, auto rotation is, from my knowledge, shutting the driven power off to the rotors and bringing the model down, basically auto rotating the the blades as you come in, forcing air through the the blade disc. Use negative pitch to build head speed. Yep. Yeah, right. slightly. Yep, you nailed it. And uh, then flare at the end and safely land, which you're actually doing with a helicopter, even if you're bringing it in Normal. and you're you're killing the the throttle. You, you're actually you never really try to land with the throttle unless it's a scale helicopter and you're doing a little scale presentation. Yeah. But most of the like time, every time I land, yeah, yeah. Because the problem with that is, and I found out the hard way, is if you have a tip over, you're going to destroy a lot of stuff and yep. uh if you have a tip over with the motor shut off you're less likely to destroy a lot of stuff yeah, if, you, if you shut that motor off two feet up and you just keep floating it in putting positive pitch just mm-hmm. to to the basically the speed gets so low that it won't hold it hold itself up when you're an inch off the ground mm-hmm. it's going to set down if it tips over the blades are nearly stopped so it doesn't really yeah. matter right and one thing I've noticed, and it's with airplanes too, is that guys always over—I'm <laughs> going to say—go always overcompensate. They always do, like when planes are coming in for a landing. You can tell if a guy gives it too much elevator and pops it back up. And yeah. I, I see it the same with helicopters. Yeah, I do you just, that all the time. You gotta like, you gotta ease into it. You gotta just and not over yeah. like pop it back up. You kind of defeating the purpose of it, really. Because now it's going to slam down even harder. Yeah, it's not easy to do, but it's it's you're, you you got to kind of tell yourself, "Hey, I just got to go easy." Not well. Not it as... happens you're coming in and you're coming in a little too fast. You're like, "Oh shit!" Right. A little more positive. Then all of a sudden you find yourself five feet off the ground. You're like, "Oh shit!" Too much positive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then at that point you're so slow. It's like, oh, she's coming down hard. Dropping on her nose. Yeah. Yeah. They always say, you know, you got to fly it to the ground. That's the truth. Yeah, really is. Problem yeah. is now all my airplanes, I, I try to hover them down to the ground. <laughs> my my two favorite planes, probably the jet is the Mirage, and I can hover it down to the ground, just set it down on its tail, and, yeah. you know, let it touch the tail and then flop over. But uh, that and then that Mamba, because I can fly them like a helicopter. You know, yeah. just since I started flying helicopters, that's the way I want to fly my airplanes. Yeah. But I guess basically what we're saying is if we say we're doing autos or something, we're just going up high, cutting the engine or turn off the motor and bringing the heli down um, without power. Right. Just like you said, using gravity and using the air flowing up through the blades to keep the, the blades spinning. You mm-hmm. get down to the bottom, and then you, you can softly land. 
So it's just a just a maneuver or a, even a maneuver you can do if you have a mechanical failure, you know, ESC or your motor shuts off or yeah. your engine shuts off or you run out of fuel or whatever. Pinion comes off. Yep. Pinion comes off. As long as you still have power to the servos and if you're high enough up and you catch it quick enough, you can land perfectly safely in a heli mm-hmm. without power. I had I had a couple of times that would have saved me. Yeah, if you'd have caught it quick, George, you could have uh, saved a couple of those helis if you knew yeah. how to auto. Yeah. I think, George, though, it, it's one thing to go up and know you're actually doing it, and it's another thing to do it in an emergency situation. You know? Yeah, because yeah. the old crap factor, you know, hits you so fast. And yes. that's, uh, and you know, with an airplane, you, you just catch your power if you get in trouble, you know, a lot of times. Right. It, 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 now I finally got to where, you know, I can um, hit throttle hold in just a second. You know, it's just a natural instinct to me now, like when I'm landing and stuff. But, um, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I've had some bad crashes with, like, stuff happen that I could have easily autoed out of. But I've had a few bad crashes where uh, I didn't catch it in time. Like, the was doing something with a lot of pitch, and by the time I realized the problem, then the the rotor had slowed so much that I couldn't recover. And that's that that's the dangerous thing if you're in that dead man zone of like ten feet to thirty or forty feet. Yeah. Like you, you don't have if you have a lot of altitude and something happens unless it completely stops, you have enough room to give some negative and kind of get the the blade spinning again. But if you're close to the ground or, or not even close, but if you're, you know, I don't know, 20 feet off the ground and your blades start to stop, you're just crude. I mean, there's nothing you can do, but watch it. Yep. And cry. And cry. Yeah. And cry. Or right. laugh, depending on what kind of hell it is. Yeah. I was going to go to the next one, gear mesh, you know, I've wondered about this, you know, how much is enough, you know, how tight do you want, how loose you want it? And does it matter whether you're flying a scale thing, you know, are your 3d helicopters set up tighter, looser? I would think tighter. Uh, yeah, it definitely matters more on a 3d heli, especially if you got a lot of power, big Mm -hmm. big motor and stuff, it's gotta be tight. So it doesn't strip, but at the same time, you don't want it so tight Bind. that it's binding, causing right. excess heat. Yeah. So but you want them set up on the tighter side, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't think it's all that scale critical stack, on a scale heli, yep. is it? No, they're, they're kind of floppy anyway, a real one. Yeah. So you kind of want it. You're, you're usually using a little bit smaller, less power, you know, to fly scale. So, if you punch it, you just you don't have the power to strip that gear really. Right. But when we say gear mesh, that's the contact between the pinion and the main gear or the secondary gear or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just meshing two two different gears together. It's also important with the tail gears in a torque tube heli. That's more like what I was talking about. Most of my stuff's torque tube. Yeah. Uh, if it's too loose and you apply a lot of power very quickly, you can strip the gears. 
if it's too yep. tight, if it's too tight, you can cause excess heat, excess wear, vibration. Yes, vibration. That's yeah, that's a good point, George. Too tight. If you have a lot of vibration in any heli, can be caused by too tight of gear mesh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good point. Now, a lot of guys will set this up by putting a piece of paper in there. You guys do that, or I've I always set it up where I hold the main gear and I move or I hold the motor or I wiggle one of them into just to that's, feel if there's a little play in it. Yeah, that's how I do it. I basically just put it tight and then wiggle it, make sure I got just a little bit of backlash, just a, a thou yeah. or so, a couple thou, yeah, a couple thousands, just barely enough to detect. And uh, it's not, it's easier on a lot of these helis nowadays have machined gears, machined plastic gear. Some of the older helis or some of the smaller ones have a molded gear. Yeah. And you kind of got to check it all the way around it because you might get it perfect in one spot and then spin it around and the damn thing's like half engaged or force it tight. You can't hardly move it. Wow. So. Definitely pays to check all the way around the main gear. It pays to buy good parts, too. Yeah, that helps. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's knockoff stuff. Um, all of these tail gears and stuff, pinion gears, they're not worth uh, not worth putting in. Yep. So the next one's my favorite, blade tracking. Just <laughs> freaking eyeball it. Yep. That's what I do. Yep. Blade tracking's not, uh, now that we have these really, really high quality, well, for one, we're doing fly barless and we have these high quality pitch gauges. Mm -hmm. If you set it up good on the bench, my experience is it's rarely ever out of track. Yeah. Do you guys have to go back and adjust it very often? Uh, I usually do. I usually adjust it. So one's out from the other. Cause I like that cool sound it makes. Yeah, that's true. It does make a neat sound. Yeah. But, uh, no, I'm only kidding. Uh, yeah, so this what, is something I kind of have done wrong in the past. Like, well, just, explain it. What is blade tracking? Blade tracking is the two blades, uh, mostly the two blades, unless you're running more than that, uh, are not in the same degree of pitch as one another. So, okay. like, if one is at zero and you spin the other one around and check it with a pitch gauge, that one should also be at zero. If it's not, your blades are out of alignment and they're tracking differently. Right. Yeah. They make a different track in the, in the, the rotation. Yeah. And you I've seen see it. Yeah. Yeah. You can actually see it if it's, if it's off, even if it's a little off. Yeah, and I've seen two separate discs. Yeah. And I have witnessed, witnessed a few guys. Now this might actually work if you got multiple blades. Uh, guys will put um, a different colored piece of tape on two different blades, and yep. and uh, I've seen mm-hmm. guys on the U- YouTube do that. That's the way Steve Hodges did his, and I mean he got it smooth. If yeah. you do that, now you got to make sure you put tape on both or however many blades you have. Yeah, right. Keep them balanced because if you put tape on one blade, not the other, it's going to go out of track anyway. Mm-hmm. If you track right. it, if you put it in track, then when you take the tape off, well, it's going to be back out the other way. You know what? You want to know what I do? Eyeball it. Nope. I am. Close very, your eyes when you fly. I'm very meticulous about it. I I basically lock the airframe down to my workbench. I've got 
where I set my helicopters up. I've got an eighth inch steel plate on the table. And I lock it down on it. And it's not going to move until I'm finished setting it up. And I go through, you know, the regular icon brain setup. And then, um, you know, level my servo arms and all that stuff, get my swash good and level. And uh, I level my swash with a, uh, with a zip tie. I, yeah. found, I found that to be the best method for me. It just yeah. really works perfectly. It's quick and easy and it works great. Yeah, and you've always got some of them most of the time, you know, somewhere. But but then um, when I set up my grips, I use a, a digital pitch gauge that I've modified. I've, I've machined the surface on it flat. I've made some different adapters, but I put it on on the flat part of whatever grip, you know, I'm, I'm doing. Like I set up that AH6I, it's a six-blade head. So you can imagine how much fun that was, but, but I just use that. I use that, uh, that gauge and I, I go around it like three or 400 times because I'm Good. so <laughs> angle about it. I mean, I, I've changed ends on the control rods to, to try to get it closer on some of them. I, and I get it just, I mean, almost to the 10th pretty much on about every one of them. And, uh, then I just use good blades. I bal- I've started balancing my blades. I used to just run them, but um, if I buy a new set of blades, and I, you know, like the six blade head, three three sets of blades, and just stagger them uh, opposing sides and uh, balance them. And I'm telling you, you first spin it up, you're done. I mean, it's it's smooth. You know, I I, I don't have any tracking issues if I do that. If I do, it's some kind of funky blade or something. Yeah, I agree with the tools we have now. If you do a good setup, you don't really have to worry about it. Right. Uh, you mentioned something, George, the swash. Mm-hmm. What the hell is a swash? Well, it's part of my costume that we use on Friday nights when I'm not seeing. Oh, but, damn. Uh, but referring to the helicopter. <laughs> Uh, I want to hear more know, about this costume. Yeah. Are you swashbuckling? Well, is that what it is? I'm, yeah. You know. Okay. The, uh, <laughs> Swinging in that. on the chandelier and all that? Yeah. Uh, yeah doing, a, <clears throat> doing a shin skid across the footboard would be more <laughs> like. But um, swash plate. Yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting bird. It's just all over the place. It's kind of like the the hoochie coochie wheel of the uh, <laughs> cycle and collective. Can we change the name to that? Yeah. Oh, shit. Wheel. You got to level your hoochie coochie wheel. Yeah. That's all I'm going to start calling it from now on. Okay. Wheel. But, you know, it's really a fascinating little simplistic device that uh, lets everything work together. And yeah. if that dude's not, if it's not perfect, I thought, you know, John, John, uh, John Coyle, I was setting up some of these 600s and I was just doing it by eye saying, you know, I've got a really good eye for straight and level and I really do, but it's not that good. And, uh, oh, they'd be drifting all over the place and I'd just be flying them like, you know, yeah, it's normal to just have to wrestle it around like, you know, you're trying to lead a dog that's never been on a leash before. And uh, so I started doing the zip tie thing to get the swash perfectly lined up and, you know, 
if y'all don't know what I'm talking about, you know, you put it around your main shaft, cut a piece of it off and CA it on there and make a little pointer down and line it up with the, the, the balls on your swash plate yeah. or some consistent point, depending on the swash plate. I like, um, I like the ones that have a, um, the, uh, the balls that have a Allen in the end of them so that, um, the seat around where it connects to the swash plate is completely round and going off of that a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. But I would to, say the, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say the farther you can get out on the swash set up there, the balls and arms and everything, the more precise you would be too. Right. Yeah. You're, you're describing leveling it, which. Yeah. Uh, we say level, but what we really mean is perpendicular. Yeah. You need the swash plate perpendicular to the main shaft. It has jack shit to do with level. Right, right. I right. see people set them up, and they got bubble levels and all this other crap. Oh, yeah. You don't need none of that. You can no. do it in your lap sitting in a recliner. Yeah. That, that part. You just got to get it perpendicular. Yeah. And I would say the swash plate is the, is the device that allows you to take the input from the servos three stationary servos goes up to this ring and it has a bearing in it and then the inside part of the ring rotates with the head and that allows you to move the pitch of the blades by moving the swash plate up and down mm-hmm. so you're transferring those stationary servo movements or the, the servos are stationary and you're the up and down movement of those transferred through links with the the two-piece swash plate, the outside part that's stationary and the inside part that rotates with the head allows you to change the pitch of the blades as, it, as they rotate around the shaft. Does that make any sense? Or mm-hmm. did I just talk in a circle? If you close no, your eyes. Sense. Yeah, if you close your eyes. Okay. And don't look at you. Okay, well, good. I know this doesn't really count in George's area where he has the custom yeah, uh, you know, a lot of custom stuff, a lot of scale helicopters, but uh, a lot of the new models that I built recently, which are only really the oxy models, uh, come with a little disc-shaped thing that you can put in to le- actually level the swash plate. Oh yeah, true. And uh, that helps out a lot. I've I've been at the field and just eyeballed it. Hey, you know, uh, like you said, Andy, you know, it's got to be perpendicular to the main shaft. Yep. And you know, as long as it's not crazy out of out of whack you can get away with flying it oh absolutely you know? oh yeah absolutely. you might have to wrestle it around a little bit or overwork your flight controller but yeah it'll yeah. work but i was but, doing them all i was doing these scale helicopters like that and trying to get out here and fly them yeah know? yeah i mean it's definitely better if everything's perpendicular and level and square and balanced and so much like easier supposed to do but they will fly if yeah. most of that stuff is wrong. The swash plate is really an amazing thing though. When you think about it, it's like you said, Andy, it's controlling the pitch and you know, the, the difference aileron or elevator or the difference in the cyclic, I should say, but it actually has the main shaft in the middle of it and it's rotating, you know, right. constant RPM also as, as it's doing all that. Yep. And I'm not smart enough to get into all the, the forces at work with the, gyroscopic pr- progression and uh, the way it's the pitch is actually 90 degrees offset from 
where you're trying right. to go and all that stuff. Yeah, what amazed me when I talked to someone smart to figure that out. Yeah, sure. It's just all math. Maybe Steve will explain it when he comes back. Yeah, well, maybe he'll either explain it or make it up and explain it. But he'll explain it. I'm sure. It's <laughs> it's got something to do with the uh, pre-subnertia rotating of the spectrum analytic. Well, you see, as the Earth rotates upon an axis, <laughs> so does your helicopter blade. Just be careful uh, when you're working on the swash. Don't nick your ball. <laughs> <laughs> Don't nick your ball. Yep. Yeah. But when you, when you actually though, when you think about what the swash blade is doing every, oh, it's crazy. every flight and what the what the blade is actually doing as it rotates around in the yeah. 360, it's actually changing pitch. As it's rotating in one revolution, it's changing pitch. Yeah, uh, yeah, a bunch. And it you know, can be, uh, you know, what, 1,500 times a minute up to like three or 4,000 on a small heli? Yeah. Yep. Per minute. That's a lot. Yep. So what connects the servos to this swash plate? Gum? It's just stuck? No. Dental floss? Dental floss? No. Um, control links. Yeah, the links. I think even plain guys know what a link is, but I suck yeah. in there just in case. So control links. I thought it was a golf game. Links? Yeah. It is. It's also a helicopter. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Legend of Zelda lately. His name's Link, so. You know, uh, I've been playing Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so the links are usually uh, a threaded rod with two yeah. two ball links on the end of it. That yeah, two plastic um, things that that surround a ball on yep. whatever allows um, adjustability. Well, it allows motion in multiple acts, multiple directions. I guess limited motion. So yep. instead of like a, a turnbuckle and a clevis, like on a lot of planes. A ball link allows more freedom of movement, which is required because that swash plate's moving all around, up and down, all around. That's why I call it the hoochie coochie man. The hoochie coochie wheel. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's kind of like me on Friday night, moving around in multiple directions. Yeah, hoochie coochie. It'd be like riding a pogo stick while you're doing a hula hoop. Oh man, it's not, it's not that bad, George. I don't think. Yeah. That's that's about what the the swash plate accomplishes. It puts that kind of chaos into order. If you really, if you know, if you if you're watching somebody hover a helicopter and stuff, and you see that swash making those minor little adjustments to keep it, you know, level or whatever, keep it hovering. You know, it's really just sitting there still as it can be. It's just barely other than that center bearing, and everything else is just going, you know, drifting. It's pretty amazing when you when you think about it all together, though. You yeah. know, like the receiver or the the fly barless unit sending all the control signals to the servos, then going through mm-hmm. the control links through the swash plate, then coming off the swash plate to the to the actual main grips and the blades. Like all the brains are way back at the beginning of that chain. Like for it to, maybe that's why it's ninety degrees out, Andy. It takes that long to get everything to the blades. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's amazing that we can have the control that we have over these models with all yeah. that stuff in line. That's why I love helis. They're 
a complicated masterpiece of moving parts. Yeah. Kind of like George, a complicated masterpiece. Exactly. It just seems like a of complicated moving parts. Mess. Yeah, complicated mess of something that's trying to kill itself. If you, if you looked at a helicopter and you didn't know anything about aviation, you'd be like, there's no freaking way that flies. It's impossible. <laughs> yep. Sure enough, they do. Yeah. All right. Let's keep moving on, or it's, it's past my bedtime already. All right, yeah. so this is what Steve just had just recently, and I forgot to mention during that explanation of what he had, I had just gone up to do an auto rotation and sh- auto rotation and shut the motor off when he started his nitro up behind me and had a hot start. So now <laughs> I was like, "What the hell was that?" As my helicopter <laughs> is coming it's towards the ground, Earth, yeah, with no power. Nice. So a hot start. Is uh, a hot yeah he's he just put his starter in and started up his nitro, and uh, he said he changed something. Uh, his I think servo we, got reversed somehow. Yeah, I was gonna say we've all kind of had something like this happen. I think. Oh yeah. Uh, but he held on to the main grips, which is a smart thing to do when you're starting your helicopter. Oh yeah. And instead of zero throttle or you know, idle, he was full throttle. So it, that's what a hot start is. It started up. It was hot. And, uh, it burnt the clutch up pretty good. Yep. You could smell it. Yep. Yep. A hot start would be uh, starting a fuel engine with uh, too much throttle, enough to cause the clutch to engage and, or in his case, wide ass open. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't have your hands on, like you can hold it if you, if it doesn't start moving and the, you can override, I mean, you can overpower the clutch and the mm. clutch will spin and burn out. But if you don't have a hold of it, you just kind of barely have a hold of it with one hand and aren't paying attention. Oh, wow. That some bitch will eat you up. Yeah. If the boom don't. I mean, if the uh, main blades don't get you, the tail will come around and get the you on blade it. blade will come around and smack you in the top of the head. Yeah. Mm. So what he did in that case was to rip the fuel line off, just get the fuel source yeah. out of the yep. way, right. which was a smart thing to do. I've seen other guys throw towels into their running blades or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that kind of tears them up, whether it's a, you know, airplane or helicopter. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, if, and if you, don't you don't have a hold of it, <laughs> yep, it does. Dreaded make... chicken dance. Yes. Most of the time, you see these when it's a crash. But a chicken dance is a runaway engine on a heli with no way to shut it off, and it just sits out there going around in a circle, eating itself till it dies. Yeah, till either something comes apart. Something blows up, Runs or if you're head. unlucky, it just sets there till it completely destroys itself. Yeah, that's a tough one to say. I haven't seen many of those. No, I watched. Uh, where was that? Uh, in Virginia, Fredericksburg, Virginia. I watched uh, one of the McClellans launch half his clutch across the field. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the scary part. Once it starts doing that, and the clutch is slipping a little bit, you. I think well, I'll just run over there and pull the fuel line off. But 
I've seen clutches explode and shoot out like a bullet. So, you know, yeah. do you run over there and try to save the model or do you just take cover or what do you do? Just take cover. Yeah. It's a difficult situation. And I have seen them where they, they eat the blades off and then it's just the main shaft and it just sits there and goes around and around a circle till it runs out of fuel or you find a big ass blanket to throw on it or something. Yeah. It's kind of funny, but not really. If it's yours, <laughs> yeah. exactly. I'd probably just draw on it and shoot it. Put about three or four forty-five rounds in it. Yeah, that might kill it if you hit it in the right spot. It'd be awesome. There's nitro or something and caught on fire. <laughs> well, it's chicken dance. It, yeah, it probably wouldn't catch on fire. So um, typically, what happens with this is the uh, the servo or the linkage uh, after a crash gets. Gets right. messed up, or you lose power, and or you can't, yeah. like, like if you don't have a spring and you you lose power to the servo, the servo comes unplugged, or your battery falls out, or whatever. Right, and right. If it doesn't cut off. It can just sit there at whatever the last throttle setting was. Yeah, you know, no good. Bad stuff. Yeah. No, and and I added uh, dead stick to the list. I don't know if we mentioned this too much, but guys might not know what that is. When somebody says I had a dead stick landing, yep. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean your stick is dead. That necessarily means your your engine's off. Kind of the opposite of a chicken dance. Right. You stalled you stalled the motor in flight, and now you have no power, but you still have control. You still have control, yeah. <laughs> so usually, that's your George's. What was your dead stick, George? You said you had a dead stick where it was just completely dead. <laughs> yeah, on several things. You took what we what we were talking earlier about. Yeah, you had to remind me. <laughs> Damn it, George! It was a dead stick. You said you had a complete dead stick. Yeah, we mentioned dead stick. You said, "Yeah, that's what I had." The heli just completely died and fell out of the air. Had no control or no nothing. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. When the uh, ESC, I had a uh, castle, um, 80 amp in the 600, and I was just flying along. And all of a sudden, nothing. I mean, it just kind of just melted straight down to the ground. That was a bad feeling. <laughs> That's a real dead stick. Yeah. Jeez. But typically, it's a landing without engine or motor power, but you still have control. Yeah. Kind of right. more of a airplane thing more of an airplane thing although we've talked about the auto rotations mm -hmm. where you lose motor power that's cause it's also a dead stick but we just call True. them autos instead yeah yeah i've done a lot of dead stick landing you wouldn't believe some of the we used to just practice you know go out and say all right from this level here let's see if we can make it back to the runway i don't really understand why they call it a dead stick but i guess that's just something to yell out so everybody gets out Looks of the way. Like you're, fly, you're, flying a, you're flying a dead stick of wood. Oh, okay. I don't know. I just made that up. Or your sounds right. Your propeller stopped and it looks like a dead stick. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. true. Both, both of those sound feasible. Maybe somebody will know. But, you know, the stick's going to be, unless you're a fly-by-wire plane like they are now. Um. You still got controls unless you don't have hydraulics. Yeah, I was just thinking of old uh, balsa airplanes. Yeah, 
There's you run out of sticks. power, you're like, well, this is a fucking dead stick. Let's yeah. See if I can land it. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't turn into dead sticks. I think it <laughs> yeah, came about so. to, back in the old barn store <laughs> days. Been what were those like, George? It when you was were a little kid. Perry, man. I'm telling you. You haven't flown till you've flown a steam-powered airplane. Guess I haven't flown. I, I guess not. Me either. So the last one I got on the list here is Expo, which is short for Exponential, which I don't really want to try to explain, but I will very quickly tell you that Flight Test did a great video on explaining it because I didn't understand it when I first started. What's, What's that, Andy? I said, yeah, let them explain it. Let them explain it. But basically, when you go from zero to 100, your servo would go without exponential from zero to a hundred. If you went zero to 50 with exponential, your servo might go from zero to 25 and then do the rest 75 as your last 50% on your stick. I mean, that's, it's kind of softens up the middle uh, a little bit, gives you more control in the middle, but still gives you the full range of the servo. Right. uh, Yeah. Well, like you got two places on a map, you know, and if you fly like a crow, you fly straight from one point to the next. But let's just say, you know, there's a big long curve between the two points. You're, you're still getting to the same place, but it's just going to be a little bit slower getting there. Okay. I thought you were going to say a train leaves from Clarksville <laughs> at 2 a.m. Yeah. Traveling 100 miles an hour. Traveling 100 miles an hour. Oh, a woman in a cab eating a bologna sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, going 30 miles an hour. All right. So let's move this on. Yeah, let's try and wreck. I think we're going to wrap it up. Uh, the main the main topic here. We Since the planker is on hiatus, on vacation, we don't have a planker episode. No planker. No planker this show. But we do have some news and announcement. All right. Announcement. Announcement. We have one announcement. Yeah. And it is, is a good one. It is a good one. Yes. First, I'll remind everyone, don't forget about our show links. So if you want to see the links to what we are talking about in mm-hmm. the show, just whatever device you're listening to us on, look. And at the bottom of the a podcast post, you should see a link to a Google Doc. Go there. Cool. And our news this week is a new EDF jet from Motion RC. Another one right on top of the MiG 29. This is the Freewing JAS 39 Gripen 80 millimeter. And it's awesome. It's one of my favorite type of EVFs, a Delta Wing jet. This was yeah. about canards, and if you know me, I've got a lot of Delta Wing jets, and I, I just absolutely love them. And the ones with canards, I've got a big J10. It's just awesome. Yeah. It's a monster. But they're just so cool because you can fly them any way you want to, and a lot of people don't realize you can fly them slow. Get that nose way up in the air. Just keep the thrust on. You can slow them things down and just touch them down like a baby. Right. But everybody wants to land them at 150 miles an hour. <laughs> This thing is beautiful. I mean, um, I may or may not know about 
um, one being in somebody's imagination a few years ago. And uh, I just really liked the livery they went with. It's uh, it's beautiful. I did a mock one. I converted a Mirage to look like one and did it in that white um, tiger stripe with the eyes on the wings, you know. Yeah. I've still got it, but uh, I would definitely have to have one of these. It's on pre-order right now. You can go pre-order them, and I, I think shipping on it's, uh, what, uh, late October? Yeah, that means probably late be, October. probably be here, the, I would guess, end of the first week or second week of October. They like to under-promise and over-deliver. You know, it's funny you mentioned the Mirage. There's a guy at our club that flies a lot of EDFs. And it's a, the Mirage is a Delta Wing, kind of looks similar to mm-hmm. this. And he loves coming in and scraping the tail on that yeah. thing. And, oh, uh, I do it all the time. Love it. This okay. is uh, an amazing airplane, man. Oh, when it you, is. When you see it alongside the full scale, the full size mm-hmm. aircraft, man, they did a really good job on this. Yeah. Yeah, let me run through a couple specs real quick. This is a one ninth scale, 35 inch wingspan, 63 inches long. Damn, that's, that's eight hundred and twenty-two millimeters and sixteen hundred and thirteen millimeters long for all you in the rest of the world. <laughs> uh, the weight is two thousand three hundred fifty grams or eighty-three ounces. That's without a battery. Uh, has a six S thirty-six fifty-eight nineteen twenty kV in runner motor. This is on the plug plug and play version. There's also an ARF Plus. Uh, but I'm talking about the one with the power system. 100 amp ESC has a 80 millimeter nine blade EDF, digital servos all around, electric retractable aluminum trailing link landing gear. Beautiful landing That's gear. That's nice. That'd be good for grass fields and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They are recommending a 4,000 to 6,000 milliamp hour battery. 6S. Yes, I said success, didn't I? Maybe not. Yeah. Um, Six channels required, six plus. Uh, Canards work on it, which is really neat. Oh, yes. It's made out of EPO foam. Recommended environment outdoors. Where the hell else would you fly something like this? (laughs) Some of the little quads and stuff are, um, you'll have to excuse my cricket just right here underneath my toolbox. You shut that cricket up right now. I'm not going to shoot. I'm tired of it. I thought but, you were a uh, dead-eyed dick with one shot, one kill. kill. I'm not going to kill a cricket. I, I'll kill a bird. That's shit on everything. <laughs> but um, back to the canards. Canards is like having thrust vectoring without all the weight. Sorry, I can't hear you. All I hear is a cricket. Now, my plan is to have... Like a, a 3,200, 3, maybe even a 2,800 six cell in it. So I can just hover that, that dude around and do flips with it and all kinds of crazy stuff. I absolutely can't wait to get it. And I'm not being thrust vectoring. I'm more excited about it, it than I am the MiG 29. No, I probably won't because I want to keep it light. The lighter the better. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm actually going to design me a new um, thrust vectoring system for my. Uh, flight test big and so hopefully next year after we come out of the fog we'll have some cool nice flight test big and stuff but 
Um, I'm, I'm telling you, just everything about the jet is just nice. I mean, the the nose cone uh, is magnetic. It comes off, so you know, get it in your car easier. You can put it in the back seat. Wings actually pop off pretty easy as well. I think one screw on either side, <laughs> they just pop off. They, they pop off real easy when you hit the ground. Yeah. But that's probably going to be one of the fastest planes uh, because the Mirage is probably the, the, the latest Mirage that's got that same end runner in it. Um, it's probably the fastest CDF to have. It, it's, I fly mine real slow because of all the high alpha stuff. Shut up, Cricket. Man, <laughs> crazy. Uh, so, uh, <clears throat> Mm. Tell Jiminy if they don't shut up, I'm gonna kick his ass. I'm getting, I'm getting tickled now. I can't talk. But uh, yeah, it's gonna be like I'm gonna be probably with this this one like I am with the Mirage. I'm sitting here looking. I've got there's one, two, three, four, five, five Mirage in here. I, I like them that much. Yeah, yeah. I don't like this cricket though. I'm yeah, to start meeting. He's cutting in on your your time, dude. Uh, it definitely looks cool. I'm kind it of does. looking at it, wondering. Yeah, maybe I should get one of these. Every ADF jet I get, I crash though after like five flights. So I don't know. When I get back from my Dalton trip, I'm gonna pop on one. Nice, cool. All right, that all we got. We have? I think that's it. Yeah. I, I've been bad this week. I really haven't been paying attention. So if something happened, I'm sorry. I missed it. We missed it. Send a hate mail to Kevin. Yeah. I'll send it to Steve. Yep. So what's next for you guys in the hobby? What's next for you, George? All right. He got in a fight with the cricket. (laughs) I just sent you all a text and told you I had to pee. I was hoping one of y'all go for So let's rewind and one of you go first. I'll okay. go pee. Go pee on that cricket. <laughs> It'll shut him up. Uh, what's next for me, you ask? What's next for you, Andy? Probably nothing. Nothing? I want to be honest. Uh, I wasn't lying when I said I've been playing Legend of Zelda. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild on Switch is a freaking amazing video game. Oh, I got God. it for my son and then uh, I was like damn that looks pretty fun so I started playing it and uh, son of a bitch it's like addictive you can't stop now so yeah what is it Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild ay, ay, ay. it's on Switch it's like this it's a big like open world game think Grand Theft Auto but with Zelda or this week, Zelda was after my time. Yeah, yeah. I never really was into Zelda or Link or any of that stuff. I missed all that. Did a lot of Mario, but never really did the the Zelda games. But this one's pretty fun. I mean, it's all it's been out for like three years, but I just now found it. So, you know, whatever. I used to have to go to an arcade and stand up and actually play these games for hours standing. Standing yeah. at a box. We didn't yeah. have it at home. I thought you said you used to uh, have to make your own game and play Pong on a oscilloscope. That's how old you are. Yeah. Did that too. 
I can remember playing Pong, thinking it was the best thing in the world. Yeah, it was pretty fun. I like yeah. Pong. It really was. Yeah. So I don't know if I get any. <laughs> get it. I think he's getting it. Get it. Oh, shit. <laughs> Sorry. So you don't think you're going to be doing anything but playing Legend of Zelda? I mean, well, well I mean, what was it? Now, Kill the now, Cricket, Legend now, of Zelda? Yeah. Now I got the internet, so, you know. Oh, geez. We're not going to see you anymore. No, sorry. I got a lot of shit to catch up on. Yeah, dude. I got, I got a lot of porn to watch. I was going to say I, two words Bill Ann. You got to watch <laughs> a lot of Bill Ann. Yeah, I do. Stay off those other sites. So what am I going to be doing? Uh, yeah, what are you going to be doing, Kevin? I think I'm going to sim on Friday, as long as I can get a drink, you know. Nice. Poured. Yeah, I'll do that with you. Okay. Definitely going to sim. Yeah, stop. Now, what the, the hell is going on with the weekend? Is this weekend Labor Day coming up? We have Monday uh, off? I think so. I yes. think so, too. This next coming Monday is Labor Day. <laughs> the Revenge of the Cricket. <laughs> Damn cricket. I had to mute a minute ago. It went solid. I thought it was going to blow up or something. I never heard one do that. I mean, it was like solid for like 30 seconds. Well, he's probably pissed that you're trying to kill him. Yeah, he probably knows what that mute button means. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely going for out flying if the weather's good on Saturday. Mike D was like, I'm going to go Saturday and probably Monday and maybe Sunday. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm going to try and make it Saturday, dude. You know, I'd love to be able to go all three days, but I'm probably going to be uh, doing some stuff with the family, at least one of the days of the weekend. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, man. I'm going to see how far along I can get with the R2, man. I was doing some soldering again tonight before the show and basically had to extend the platform of the Arduino that I'm using to this breakout board. One of the guys was telling me about. To where I can use screw down terminals instead of just plugging this stuff in because that'll probably pop out. Yeah. You know, as I'm driving over things and flying them around with the jets and all that. No, yeah. but uh, yeah, so I'll probably work on that a little bit. Um, yeah, man. I know you've been working on it this whole time, but it seems like the last couple weeks, I guess, because you've, you've reached a point where it's like now he's doing all kinds of shit. It seems like you've. You've made so much progress in like the last week or two. Well, you know what I got to do too. I got to put like a video it's all coming together. together now. Yeah, I want to put a video together of because I started printing this. I think it was September of last year, so it's almost been well, it's been a year. This is September first, but I took some time off of that to print out the Ghostbusters thing I did for Halloween last year, and then a couple of other large projects I had. And yeah, the the printing's. The majority of the printing is done. There's a lot of little knickknacks to them that yeah, sure. uh, I got to print out. But uh, a lot of the stuff is is coming along pretty cool, yeah. But hopefully I can get some flying in, man. Oh, you know what? Saturday's pattern day. And I know that all the helicopter listeners to the show just rolled their eyes. But uh, I'm going to go to our field, maybe bring my Sukhoi and, and uh, the S-Block that I have. And Mike D said he has a pattern playing for me, so oh, nice. I might. I, I actually enjoyed taking part of the in the pattern event because it sounds it's it's kind of like I don't know F three 
Uh, let's see. F3C for planes, yeah. you know? Yeah. You Very just talk that. You fly a pattern, you fly some stuff. And fly and, set maneuvers. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, but um, before this this podcast goes any further down the rails, what are you going to be doing, George? What are you going to be up to? I have Did- got a busy couple of weeks planned. So Memorial Day, I plan to drive down to Dalton, to Daryl's, and going to help him get set up for the Southern Scale Challenge helicopter event. Which, cool. runs, which runs the whole week until Saturday. Then the next weekend, starting Thursday, we're going to set up for the sub event and it's going to be Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So I'll be down there for two weeks solid and uh, be staying at Daryl's. But during the helicopter event, I'll have the bomber RV at the field and we'll be staying there. So I'll be calling in. Hopefully I'll have good signal. If not, I'll climb up on top of the camper in the yard in a uh, lawn chair. That would really, just look really at home full of shaggy yeah yeah but um but you know i've got uh i've got the submarine you know ready for paint uh, ready for primer and hopefully i'll get uh, get it primed tomorrow and just uh get the paint finished up on it and start finish well finish loading up the rv Um, i'm gonna put a bunch of stuff in there to take this swap and trade on at the helicopter event so so it's going to take me a while to get it all crammed in there. I'll probably take way more than I need to, but I'd rather have it with me. If somebody really wants a project, some of the smaller stuff that I've kind of lost interest in, um, 500 size stuff, probably uh, take down there and sell. Nice. But uh, really looking forward to it. I, I want to get out. You know, I've been cooped up for just way too long. And, um, I just really enjoy going down there and hanging out. We'll, we'll, you know, in between the two events, we'll be at his house working on probably the big Sea King model. Awesome, man. Get ready to make a mold for it, but uh, be taking some pictures and do an update on that. But that's, uh, that's my plans for the actual next two weeks. So maybe even, you know, during the podcast recording, I might uh, get some of the scale. Uh, guys, some of the the big names and scale down there. There'll be helicopters down there that, that will be just absolutely mind blowing. The detail and the the size and you know turbines and yeah. But uh, I'll be Get some sure pictures, to, dude. Be sure to document it well. Nice, cool. That's it. For me. Cool. Nice. Um, do we have any listener pipeline voicemails? I think on? we do. I think we do as well. I think we have one. I think we have a bunch. A bunch? Yep. Maybe should oh, yeah, refresh. I, see. I do see a bunch now. All right. So here's the first one from Saturday. Hey, you bunch of dicks. We're just up here in Rochester <laughs> chilling, flying some helicopters. Trying to give you a call and say, what's up, fuckers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty far. Hey, what's up, driver? <laughs> guys? Two guys didn't come up there. Mm. Nice. Okay. I guess the service isn't that great up there. Yeah, I don't think so. I think that was, was that Rybert in the background. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was Chris Breams. Yeah, long time buddy, Chris Breams. Man, I, yeah, I miss going up there this year, man, because of the COVID virus, the New York virus, the Chinese virus, whatever you want to call it, virus, and that social distancing. All right, enough of that crap. Here's the next one. 
Hey, Steve. Shaggy. So, when can I come over to use your internet for a recording? <laughs> come on, man. I know you can hear me. Dude. Come on. It's only going to be for like maybe once a month, probably. But then all the times I want to go over there and maybe do some other things. You know, because I don't have internet or decent cell phone service. Come on, man. Let me know. Love to go over there and meet and just hang out with you and use your internet. Oh. Don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, shit. All right, Steve, get ready. Shaggy's coming over. Yeah, Shaggy, that was hysterical, man. Oh, my God. That was a good one. I can't wait till he shows up <laughs> at Steve's house. Ah. We'll let you know, Shaggy. We'll let you know. Steve says, you know, it's a little too much. <laughs> um, think I can get my house back in Jersey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Here's the next, here's the next uh, phone call. <laughs> it's got to be from Monty. Thank God Al Gore invented the internet so we could listen to this. <laughs> well, this is three minutes. I won't have to edit. <laughs> okay. All right, then. All right. And one more. We have the best listeners. Do we? And the worst. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> we have some of the best. At least they're vulgar. Yeah. Yeah, that's something. And we got a couple more, but there's no transcription, so I don't even think there's anything on it. That's got to be Monty. No, Monty wouldn't play. No, that's true. He would just say you. it. Yeah, that's who it is. Probably Shaggy, actually. So he won't curse, but he'll play music that's cursing. So weird. All right. Are we ready to wrap it up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. All right. Steve's not here, so I don't know how many Facebook likes we have. Nope, but um, it's something. It's something. It's a number. Yeah, we had thirteen hundred twenty on the last episode, so hopefully it's more than that. Yeah. Should we do any Facebook comments? Uh, we could. You want to wait on those, or you want to wait? We can wait. You. What do you want to do, buddy? No, we we can wait. Yeah. Wait for Steve. What about website comments? I don't know. Did we get any? Yeah, we had an email. We should probably read it. Okay. We yeah. had an email. Mr. Javier. 
hadn't heard from him in a long time. Yeah. He says, hi, guys. A quick question. I have an episode idea for the planker. How can I get in touch with him? Of course, Facebook does not apply. Uh, the best way to get in touch with the planker is Facebook Messenger. <laughs> uh, or go to his fa- said, Facebook page. Yeah, his Facebook page. Ping him there. Uh, he also writes, keep up the good work, guys. I have to admit I'm spending more time with my computer and gaming than I would like to admit. He <laughs> he. In my defense, I did upload a flight video for my local club event. And he nice. linked a YouTube video. I wonder what game he's playing. Maybe he's playing Zelda. Maybe he's playing Zelda. Yeah. That'd be awesome. You can reach the planker as he's give out his email multiple times on the show <laughs> at shooter training at gmail.com. He takes all kinds of suggestions. He'd be happy for it. I'm sure. Yep. He takes PayPal. He takes cash checks. He'll take <laughs> your mother's teeth. If they got gold in them. That's right. Yep. <laughs> uh, thanks for the email, Javier. Thanks, Javier. Good to hear from Javier, who's part of the Skids Up podcast. Yeah. How about you quit gaming and put a podcast out? <laughs> the fault. Yeah. Here's a thought for you. <laughs> I'm getting tired. I'm getting tired of listening to Kevin. How about you quit stalking the planker and put a podcast out? <laughs> yeah. You got ideas? <laughs> Use them on your own show. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit uh, I'm just teasing <laughs> Kinda Kinda Alright uh, so I'm not reading I'm not reading Podbean Or iTunes Or any of that other I did stuff. check iTunes There is nothing new on iTunes Oh you're the man And I'm not We can't do Podbean comments Cause I'm sure there's one from Grey Eagle And uh, Steve has a lock on that Yeah Yeah Absolutely He's definitely got the flair for reading the I don't great think I eagle. Understand it as well. If he didn't read it, he didn't read it. Yeah, yeah. That's his. That's his thing. We can't take that from him. Took a couple of years to get that good. <laughs> yeah, I reading that. It's just that it's kind of a cross between pained and constipated. The the kind of tone in his voice when he's trying to read through it. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, so. Drop us an iTunes review, and we'll read the review on the next episode. Email. email. Damn, I can't even speak. Or email us. Yeah. Email. <laughs> Don't get me tickled. <laughs> oh, shit. Email freefallrc at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash freefallrcpodcast. Check out our webpage, freefallrcpodcast.show, and say hi to Chris. Hi, Chris. Yep. The Flight Test Forums, Off the Field, Audio and Video Production, Other Than Flight Test Podcast, Freefall RC Podcast. Say hi to David Hill, a.k.a. Hill the Flyer. Hey, Dave. Hey, D. Hi, David Hill. Fellow podcasters, we have the Heliheads Podcast. That's Kevin, Mike, Dan, and Scott. Telerotor Podcast. That's Rich, Robert, Mike, and Mike. BKRC Podcast. That's Bert and Kyle. RC Roundtable. That's what fits Terry and Lee. RC After Hours. With Andre. High Voltage. With Bobby Watts. Skids Up. With Javier. Paul and Frank. Inverted Down Under. Uh, that's uh, with um, 
Jeff Smart and Ozzy Mozzy. Ozzy Mozzy. I haven't heard one from them in a while. Yeah, I don't know. My, I think mm. they put one out a few weeks ago. Okay. I don't remember. Put one out a few minutes ago. Park Oops. Flyer Podcast. <laughs> That's with two mics and a J. I'm Houdini sure. RC Haley Podcast. Houdini RC is with Rich Spiegel with Kenny Sierra. Speaking of Leisure Suit Larry. And mm. Brett Gottlieber. That's right. That you and did not meet. Who I did not meet, but I know who I did meet. <laughs> one, one guy you did not meet. And thought you did, and one guy you met, and thought you didn't. Wish I never met. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you went no. not about Matt Reddick anymore. I like. Oh yeah, dude! Yeah. I got to bring this up before we end the show. Matt Reddick did a show recently with listener questions. The forty-five minute show. He went on for like twelve minutes on each question. So maybe that five questions got asked. And one of the questions was, "What was the earliest form of RC?" and he had a woman on from AMA and she said it was 1936. And I was like, eh, that's not entirely true. Depending on your definition of RC, uh, Tesla came up with it. We covered it on our show early on called the history or yeah, the history of RC. And, uh, it was back in 1898, I think, or 89 Tesla invented a, uh, a shock like device, like, uh, a spark control mm-hmm. spark. Spark, uh, it was kind of the Morse code of the day. Yeah. Control of, uh, of an airship. Not, you're not saying that Matt Reddick got something wrong, are you? Oh, I'm saying Matt Reddick and the AMA got something wrong. Oh, okay. And I can that. go into greater detail and many more stories of other things they've gotten wrong, but I want to end the podcast. I'll save that for another show. All right. I've Speaking. got dirt like you wouldn't believe. Speaking mm. of getting things wrong, check out our friend. <laughs> Bill Ann YouTube channel. Bill Ann. The Bill man Bill. who who has tons of dirt on everybody. Yeah, probably. With all that video equipment, it's, I'm yeah, sure. He's got, he's got that camera rolling 24-7 at the event, so. Yep. He's just trying to catch a glimpse of global warming anywhere possible so he can prove it. That's what he's trying to do. Yeah. I don't think it'd be that hard to prove, but. All right. Thanks to our listeners. Free our skies, and we'll see you next time. See ya. Bye. Bye, George. Bye. Bye, bye Cricket. Yeah, bye, George's Cricket. Well, I'll take care of that Cricket. No. <laughs> it's left. <laughs> It's left the building. Did you smush it? It's gone. Okay, good. <clears throat> Tell it not to come back. Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> I was afraid if you didn't kill it, he'd be back next week with 20 of his buddies. Yeah. George, I think your mic's a little hot, man. Picking up some background shit. Let me go turn off one of the actors. You shut them all off. <laughs> Every week. Oh, let me turn off the radio. Oh, that that loud ass TV. Let me shut that off. (laughs) (laughs) I had to laugh last week when he said, so next Tuesday? I'm like, yeah, George. (laughs) We record every Tuesday.
That was too funny. I love George. He's the best. <laughs> He's the best. Oh, I like it too. It's, Kevin, um, you might as well go get a, a dang Prius now if you're going to start doing that crap. No. no. Oh, come on. I hear myself. Tastic. Echo. Pinch Hello. hitting for Vinny Borbone. Manny Mota. <laughs> All right, it's gone, George. Well, that's weird. Maybe it's yeah. because I'm so close to the microphone and so loud. But uh, I'm not going to get a oh Prius. My, I oh like my, my god! I like my Jeep. I like driving over Priuses. Yeah, but you're getting old though. If you're getting into the. Uh, Oh my god. George. George. Yeah. I can hear myself. I don't know what's happening. Hold on a second. Got headphones on or you got it on a speaker next to you? I don't know. You don't know if you're wearing headphones. <laughs> Let me move the mic a little bit here. All right. How's that? One, two, three, four, five? No, it's when I talk. Oh. I well, don't hear it now. Sounds fine now. Sounds good now.